0: Hey everybody, on today's episode we're going to be discussing Jurassic Park from 1993. We do recommend you watch the movie ahead of time, it makes the discussion a little bit more interesting. So Mike, what is Jurassic Park about? Well hot damn
1: John, I'm surprised y'all need to tell me. Y'all, cause this is a finger licking classic. What happens is the colonel invents this strain of mega big Kentucky chicken and invites over Bill Nye, Lorcroft Tomb Raider, and The Fly and some other weird white dude to come give these tender thighs a test drive for their taste buds, however hold on to your butts cause boy howdy do things turn into a real nanny after this big ass storm of flavor busts their shit up and a bunch of those mega chickens say no, nah, humans back on the menu boys and turn the entire island into a Kentucky Fried Human contest eating crocodile dundee and nick fury anyway them chickens be fierce and bill nye gets the hell up out of there and kfc has to merge with pizza hut and taco bell to survive and that my friends is the real story behind the greatest interstate fast food chain in modern history in this absolutely cherished piece of cinema from my childhood are you are you
0: okay (laughs) (laughs) what This might be my greatest work yet. <laughs> oh my God. Welcome Sammy, to was that right? Co-
2: I've never hated and loved something simultaneously more. That was
0: absolutely a case where I think like the silence that you were greeted by was so powerful.
2: My mouth was open.
0: You were doing the Spielberg face, the, the, the all face. Absolutely. Hold
2: on to Welcome. your butts.
0: Oh my god, welcome to this film Could Be Your Life.
2: <laughs> <I'm> so, you ever. Finger Oh, I hate that, that part. What was, what was that?
0: Welcome once again to This Film Could Be Your Life, a movie podcast where two question mark friends take the movies that they love way too seriously. My name is Jonathan Devine. I'm joined as always by Mike Overstreet. Hello. And this week we also have a special guest, uh, my very great friend, Sammy McCandless.
2: You know, the hesitation before you said my name really puts in a question. The hesitation was because
0: for some reason I was going to say... Samantha, I was like, no, I, I call her Sabby. But then I thought, Super does formal. she have a preference on how she's introduced? It just became all Once whole...
2: again, Jurassic Park Ranger right there. Yeah.
1: Oh, right there.
0: Jesus. Also literally a Ranger. <laughs> In fact, possibly you might even say a Jurassic Park Ranger. Uh, welcome to the show, Sabby. Uh, you know, I think arguably uh, number one fan. Thoughts?
2: thanks john long time listener first time <laughs> podcast joiner excited to be here
0: were, did you how long were you like waiting to to do that you since? know
2: what i am so proud of myself i just came up oh with man that. I'm I was, a,
0: that's
1: I, I love it I, I was hoping that was your only note like on your entire word doc. <laughs> <talk. laughs> it's just like a blank word doc. no i
2: i did have some i have it categorized in my notes as zingers just in case john is mean uh just <laughs> just in case i need to no no i mean just in case i need to you know really come out of the gate swinging or something but i, I think we're off to a good start i don't know if the zingers will need to come into later Fair. i
0: think listeners of the show I mean, will know that i the am not friends but
2: you know and a question mark too yeah the, 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 the
0: question mark was because i said two Freds. <laughs> there there's unequivocally not two Freds here i would hope there's three Freds, as a matter of fact it's already
2: so much fun. It's giving the, you a hard time.
1: As the host of this podcast, you've let this really go off the rails. Okay, so today
0: we are discussing <laughs> Jurassic Park, a 1993 movie, a pretty small indie flick by a guy named Steven Spielberg. Uh, fun fact in the same calendar year, he also released Schindler's List. Like, what? Like, what? How do you. It's like whatever. the same movie. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It, they're, they're right next. It's really a pairing. You kind of have to take them together. Uh, this was written by Michael Crichton and David Koepp. It was based on the novel by Michael Crichton, which was also released in 1993. Coincidentally, he also was re- show running ER at the time, so he was kind of just on top Busy of the man. world. Um, released on June 11th, the 30th anniversary is coming up uh, next year, as a matter of fact. It shattered yep. box office records, taking in $915 million in 1993. Grossing more than any movie, or sorry, excuse me, become, becoming the highest grossing movie ever at that point. Uh, of course, it was overthrown by Titanic a few years later. Uh, also, this is a fun fact. As of release, excuse me, as of its re-release, it is now the oldest movie to have grossed $1 billion. There is no older oh, movie that has wow. grossed that much. Um, We started the show by talking about our history with this particular movie. Uh, I know... Well, I, I guess I'll just answer for myself. I have adored this movie ever since I can remember. So I, I literally do not remember the first time I watched this movie. Uh, I've watched it possibly more than any other movie I've ever seen. I've adored it. I've rewatched it every couple of years. It has always held up. It has always held a special place in my heart. Um Possibly shocking too, because as we will discuss later, it also uh, scared the ever living hell out of me, and uh, I actually skipped quite a few scenes very regularly. Coward. Uh, Which, yeah, which we'll (laughs) we'll we'll bring those up a little bit more later. But uh, it's it's just an extremely essential movie to me. It's odd to even talk about it because, in a certain sense, it's like I I very practically cannot be objective about this movie or avoid gushing about it. But you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, Mike, how about you? What was your history with this movie?
1: Yeah, this is like uh, the Alpha and the Omega of cinema. Um, It goes up there with Star Wars as one of the OGs. I mean, I, I would, apart from cartoons, this is probably one of the first movies I've ever seen, you know? Yeah. Um, And that is because it was a phenomenon, as you mentioned, but also because, like, you know, dinosaurs, man, and you're a uh, six- or seven-year-old boy or whatever, and you're just like your parents are going to show you a movie about real life dinosaurs, you know, hanging out with people. And that sounds fantastic. So yeah, I have nothing but positive things to say about it. I don't rewatch it as much as movies like star Wars, which is strange. Uh, this is actually probably the first time I had seen it in maybe since college. That's kind of crazy. Oh boy. Yeah. So this was a real treat for me. Uh, held up great. Um, a little bit more sexism than i remembered but we'll get to that later um but yeah no it held up great and it that's i think the most impressive part about it which i'm sure we'll get into is that it in most ways doesn't feel like it's aged today. but yeah yeah this has been there forever i do not remember a time without jurassic park
0: sure Sammy, similar story, I I think, pretty much, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely, at least the part where it's, I can't remember a time before it. It actually was released um, almost exactly a week before I was born in 1993. So I, I don't know when my parents showed it to me or when I was able to see it, but I don't remember a time before it. Um, but I have Because it is always So close to my birthday It is kind of fun Because every time There's like a 10th anniversary Reshowing in the theaters Or 15th Or 20 Or 25th I always get to go see it Which that's is super so fun That's so cool And it's, it's, it's fun Because I, I always do Tear up a little bit Because it's like I, I think about What the people Who saw it For the first time Thought when they yeah. saw it You know yeah. Did they know What they were about to see I don't think so uh, So that's always fun But yeah This I, I do re-watch this movie This is absolutely my comfort movie so i see this movie once or twice a month at least so yeah. happy sad sick anything like that i am usually re-watching it if not in the background then i'm genuinely just watching it we that's sort like, of have that's like three me with
1: groups. there'll be blood yeah yeah i just like you know i just got done with my anniversary <laughs> with ricky and we're just like man we've had these two wonderful kids it's a romantic dinner i'm just like you know what we need daniel Plainview to talk about greed for 3 hours. It's the same you know, thing. It's not, like, we're we're the not really boat. the same vibe. We're in the same boat. Think, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do, you <laughs> think, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. do you think people who saw this for the first time responded like Russians in like 1910 where they had that movie with a train coming at the camera? I'm not sure if you know that I, story, oh. but Russians like yeah. Yeah, ran of out of the
0: theaters cuz they thought it was a real train. Do you think people did that? I think people I'd, lost their minds a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it was th- this is certainly got to be just just very very far up on the list of like you know visual experience movies. That's that's I think the rep you're gonna hear most about it today is obviously its effect on um, on computer generated images on visual effects in movies. That it was this stunningly realistic um, at the time question mark We'll get to that later. But stunningly realistic uh, imagery of dinosaurs, which you which you shouldn't necessarily be able you know, which was just probably mind-blowing at the time before we get into the movie movie I did have one last question which might kind of inspired me about a second ago uh do you guys have dinosaur phases Sammy any dinosaur phases as a kid
2: oh of course you know that actually I had a kind of a general question for both of you that does fit very well into this why do you think that dinosaurs are considered a little kid interest?
1: Oh yeah, my, I was uh, gonna, my answer to your question, John, was mine never ended. I am still like yeah. enamored <laughs> by dinosaurs. I think they're amazing. Totally.
0: Uh, my mine definitely did end, and only in terms of like I was like obsessive about dinosaurs as a kid. I had like books and and uh, I guess that was it. I had books. And I watched Jurassic Park, <laughs> but that's like relatively obsessive. I think I had models too. I definitely had some some toys, but. I think it's just like, as a you know, it's 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 such a fantastical thing that you can't believe it's real, but it is, right? It's exactly totally. the same allure as like you know dragons or, or any kind of fantasy thing. But then the punchline is, no, but these are real. Like you can go to the natural history museum and see the bones of this thing that is. Yeah. You just cannot believe. And they're believe. big and loud. Yeah.
2: That's fun, but yeah. yeah, I definitely had a dinosaur phase for sure. I think my bed sheets for a really long time were dinosaur themed. Um, there you not go. saying they're not like that now. <laughs> I was about not saying, saying mine's, that mine still sure. hasn't
1: ended there too.
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, for sure, all the little action figures of little dinosaurs and stuff like that—it's fun. But yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: uh, did you guys? Or go ahead, Mike. No, I'm
1: curious. Do you think, Sammy? Do you think it's like associated with like something you grow out of because we get older and don't want to think about mass extinction? Like it just brings us close Whoa. to our own mortality. I've never thought about I'm that. I'm serious. Like, do you think <laughs> it's just one of those things you get to a certain age and you're like, wait a minute, that's gonna happen to us, and you're like, ah, and just like. I, I appreciate.
2: I mean, I appreciate your existential take on it, but I think probably anything on it. I think it's because anything really – anytime you're interested in anything a lot is considered kind of like a childlike mm, thing, right? Any type of like good. obsession or really exciting thing. I think that's why. But I, I don't know. Why are some things like people are really – adults are into cars now and that's that's still considered a little thing kid thing, but that's also – Something that's more acceptable as an adult to like. So, I don't, I, what I'm saying is, I don't know why everyone's not obsessed with dinosaurs now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's fair. a fair
0: point. That's a fair point. I, I could get behind that. Uh, guys, let's all take a field trip to a museum. What are we doing? We can yeah, do this. Yeah. Crea- okay. Creation land. Let's go. We only live on literally three different corners of the continental United States. So there's no and, problems with this. And whatsoever. Kentucky's in the middle of all of them, dude. Let's get
2: Or on. we can meet in the Badlands where this was filmed. Oh, that would make sense. These are all that's, great that's,
0: ideas. That's a way better idea than going to
2: Creation Land. <laughs> Kentucky.
0: I'm going to be honest, Mike. Like, that way better ideas than going to Creation Land. That's a long list. There's a, there's a lot of things going So true. That. Ah, well let's get into it so uh talking about the movies we break them down basically into what works about this movie uh what doesn't work we'll have some stray thoughts and then much later we'll have kind of some discussion and dialogue about some maybe deeper parts about the movie um but let's just start right at the top what why does this movie work i think we're gonna just trade around a little guys we'll kind of each of us will have one to go on sure. um I want to start in, in maybe a spot that's predictable for me, but may or may not be an odd place to start. If you think about this movie as a visual masterpiece, as a attention masterpiece, it has all these amazing set pieces. Despite all of that, I actually want to start with uh, my boy John Williams, who mm. um, just course. just like this is one of those cases where you think like this would have been a big movie with a very average soundtrack, I think. It would have probably been successful. People would have liked it. But for reasons, you know, because the guy is incredible, he just put in this amazing amount of work and we're left with this soundtrack in this movie that kind of transcends the movie for me personally. Like, that's why I'm starting Mm -hmm. with it. Because as much as I love the movie, I, I think the soundtrack is pulling so much emotional weight um you think about the way that the the that that main theme that Everard knows just makes you excited i think like as a kid what i'm trying to say is as a kid like that was what i was buying a ticket to right that's sure. what i wanted was yeah. that emotional uplift of the scene with the brachiosaurus and that's that gentle beautiful score swelling which I'm, I'm gonna fade a little bit in here guys um, behind this yeah i just think that it ends up doing so much work in the movie of kind of cluing you into how to feel like inspired by and awestruck by these things you're seeing um and then obviously later in the movie there's scenes of more tension Obviously, a lot of those scenes don't have music very intelligently but even later on they do and it ends up doing just all this incredible work I, I don't know i could gush about it but but soundtrack's unbelievable any any thoughts on that or
1: yeah, I, I just wrote. Is is this in the goat conversation for film scoring? Because um, by that I mean, greatest of all time. Because yeah, I, I don't know if I can think of a movie whose soundtrack is as influential to like my ingrained memory of it as this mm. one. I mean, when I think of this movie, I think of and and that's. Beautiful. And that's before you even get to the the more nuanced touches—a uh, way it elicits awe, playfulness, discovery, curiosity, tension, menace—in all these like various scenes. I mean, so yeah, I, I don't know if you guys would agree with me there, but I think this is up there as in that conversation of one of the greatest scores of all time, and that's really all yeah, I have to say. I-
2: I think, too, exactly what you guys are saying, but I think, too, the soundtrack works so well because of how they decide to pair it with the visuals as Mm, well. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, a lot of that whole helicopter kind of coming into the island and you're seeing these beautiful, beautiful landscapes, which, of course, John, when we were younger, got to go on a tour of. I'm not jealous at all still. It's fine. Uh, (laughs) He got to go do that. No, it was amazing. So, I I can only imagine getting to do that. was.
0: Do you not know that, Mike? Pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I've been at I was in before, a John. No
0: one's impressed. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a great point. Yeah. And actually, Sammy, I would even, like, that scene is such a great call-out because it's also one, I I, I I, think of that as a scene, too, that a lesser director might not make a big deal out of that scene, right? right. Like, if you think about it, there's no dinosaurs in that. There's nothing. No. It's just a helicopter oh, on a beautiful no, island. Yeah, yeah. But. Yeah, with the you're 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 so it's it's gearing you up for adventure essentially anticipation right? of it yeah yeah absolutely. yeah you're you're just like I won in I don't know what's going on but I'm excited. What well, if uh, I could also, if I could real quick yeah. if I
1: could hijack this podcast and steal this from you, John? I think that's like a really good if you don't mind segue to talking about Spielberg because I think that scene in particular is is such an example of his mastery of scope and scale. Because I actually mm. put that down too, where I was like, I I could put down any number of scenes with the dinosaurs. I mean, the first time seeing the dinosaurs, we should talk about that scene explicitly, at some point. But like, what caught my eye coming back to this ten years later, since the last time I'm seeing it, was that introduction to the island is such a masterclass in the scale that he is trying to set up, both in terms of your awe, but also what's about to take place in terms of disaster in this theme park, right? Um, And also the resources that are going into this and ultimately how that's going to kind of come together with the storm to create such a cluster. Right. Um, But, yeah, I I don't know. Whenever I think of that, when I was watching that scene, it just hit me that Spielberg is one of those directors that seems to so effortlessly create a sense of bigness within every even most throwaway scene when he wants to. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, it's yeah. world building for sure.
0: Well, and it's it's so funny. The most recent time I watched the movie, uh, this was gonna be a stray thought later, but I have some to spare. So, there's actually less than fourteen minutes of dinosaur in this movie on screen. I should say it's crazy. Um, wild. And of that, less than four minutes are CGI dinosaurs. The rest are animatronics. But. Uh, I mean, you're right, Mike, like the, I was so surprised at how much of this movie is is going, not necessarily on the strength of the visual spectacle of the dinosaurs, but just like you said, his filmmaking. Things feel big and exciting, and you have all these set pieces happening, and you have all of this tension being built in, in just sort of situations with or without dinosaurs, right? Like, I, I just think it's a great point. He's, he's doing so much work in and around, basically in whatever scene he wants to. To elicit whatever emotion he wants to he's a he's, he's a master at that um yeah 100 percent. uh sammy what do you have for for why this movie works
2: yeah uh so I, I have a lot of stuff that's i feel like that's pretty obvious i mean you've already touched on things like the music and the soundtrack and even specifically when it chooses to hold the music and start back up again um i know we had talked about the jeep stuck in the tree scene Mm. you don't even realize that you're holding your breath and that the music hasn't even it's not even going until it does and then suddenly there's this urgency and and it's it's awesome i love it uh but i think something that just makes the movie work as a whole are the actors who who play these characters Mm. i think they play it extremely believably they're taking this very seriously and i think michael criden couldn't have asked for a better cast because when he wrote the book. He made, I mean, he really redefined what we look at as science fiction as far as like taking the science and putting it into the fiction, making it as realistic as possible. So I think, I, I think it was really appropriate that they chose the people that they did in the movie because they, they take it seriously. I love that.
0: I think the best example of that, we've talked around this scene a couple times, uh, but the Brachiosaurus introduction. So the first time you see the dinosaur yeah. on screen you know, there's a, there's a, I referenced it already. There's something called the Spielberg face, which is the characters in his movie making the <laughs> wide-eyed, open mouth, just like all face, like, like like you know, what am I look like? Like I can't believe what I'm looking at, right? Uh, you know, obviously all of his movies, almost E.T., Raiders, uh, Jaws, obviously, um, and I really do think that that scene is the pinnacle of the Spielberg face. Because, and the movie kind of does it, because we're so focused on Laura Dern and Sam Neill. And you need that, like, it's so long, that like 30 seconds of buildup of them just (laughs) looking and fully not believing what they're seeing. And you believe that they are in that moment, right? That's the acting, that's the acting chops, is that there's there's no part of it that isn't, yeah, yeah, that, that isn't. Like oh I'm I'm acting I'm kind of you know this is a little fun whatever it's just like oh no they are locked in, and I'm super I, there with them.
2: Yeah to- sorry to cut you off. Um, it's okay. I think I think too just you totally believe that this is their life's work in front of them right yeah. there and yes. they don't even have to say that much. You just you can feel what they are feeling when they see that and that's just a testament to their good acting and I just don't think that would have played as well with lesser actors.
1: Yeah absolutely yeah but can Uh, we can we talk about jeff goldblum as malcolm though i mean come on i mean Uh,
2: i don't i don't know i don't know if we want to go down that road how strange
1: (laughs) is it to see goldblum as a sex symbol like knowing what we know now living today is it to be like holy heck (laughs) this guy is just like but no like but seriously though i actually think he's like for me he's the highlight of the film and it in a weird way it comes all the way down to like his line delivery like his like I always forget how effective his start and stop cadence that he's really famous for can be when he's given serious material to deliver in a serious fashion, right? Because yes, he has his one-liners, he has his playfulness, he has his, quite frankly, sexual harassment. We'll get to that later. (laughs) Um, But what he's really good at is like when he's describing like chaos theory, when he's talking about these very real consequences that he sees down the road, that delivery is so effective at creating minor tension, um, minor foreshadowing, but also just like a magnetism to that character that it, I think, Sammy, you had said it's cast perfectly. I think that's a perfect example of it. It's like, you can have these scientists who are delivering their awe of these dinosaurs and their life work, but he's the guy who enters the frame and kind of returns your eyes to like glue in on just someone who is just giving a movie star almost ask in a small role. Delivery of lines, right? And suddenly, boop, yeah. drag back in. Even right. if I was drifting off of the science, I am back in as this guy is like setting up uh, in the sexiest way possible. Everything from oh tension gosh. to, like I said, plot, <laughs> plot, plot movement. So, and if you want to gush about his looks, I please take the mic from me because I'm gonna start getting sweaty.
2: Oh <laughs> man, I I'm sweaty for all the wrong reasons, Mike. I I think you're gonna hate. I think you're. I I think John already knows. <laughs>
0: I do know yeah. where I'm
2: going with this. This, of course, is, year, I mean, a lifetime, a literal lifetime of friendship of knowing John. John has known my feelings about Jeff Goldblum Whoa, for this is a, the a very long time. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, Mike. I think his, oh, here, how, how do I, how do I start this? I think, I think Jeff Goldblum was cast very well. I think you're right. I think his character is pretty smarmy, right? Is that sure. a good word for yes. it? Oh, yeah. oh, yes. I think he's smarmy. He's a smarmy dude. Uh, I don't find Jeff Goldblum attractive.
0: Oh, okay. I, I don't. It's it's so I, like just to be clear, like Jeff Goldblum is obviously a very attractive person. Like this I just is, don't think he this is. is a disagree. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent. Like Man. the, 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 the I don't a reason get it. Why there's roses never gotten of about Malcolm on people's walls. Like no, Wait. no, no. You guys. Why did we invite her to this episode, John? Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) Calm down.
2: (laughs) I just can't. I've never gotten it. And you know the scene, the classic one where he's like laid out on the table. He's like, yeah, that's what I meant when I said the poster's on people's walls. I had no idea that's supposed to be sexy. I saw that and I was like, oh, he's trying to be, he's just being annoying. I don't know. Like, I I interpreted that entirely differently. So, I I don't know.
0: (sighs) Ugh. I don't want I we are not gonna derail uh Jeff Goldblum's so like, wait. Hold
1: on though. So are you like more of like into the like the Wayne Knight type? or Is that like is that the heartthrob for you in this movie? Yeah, so the, like every uh, time obviously Nedry that's talks, the scale. you're just like, Oh yes. You know, so Mike, in bother. a movie
0: of attractive people, you've picked the two <laughs>
1: yeah, least attractive go, people. Why did the you why would you go movie? with
2: Newman there's, of all there's, people? There's,
1: I well, I assume I, that if you're not into gold bloom you're into Newman.
0: That's just kind Oh, be your, Laura, what Dern, a horrible Laura Dern and creep. Sam Neill.
2: That's who we're going for.
0: I mean obvious yeah, they're, they're great. Sam Neill. I mean I never quite accepted that he's so but he seems a lot older than her. I guess yeah. that's a straight thought maybe, but I just never quite quite put that together in my head. I was like, are they? Really also
1: gay? also, you know, toxic masculinity. <laughs> but anyway, okay. Uh <laughs>
0: Well, so before so we move off that. the actors, it's it's it was a beautiful moment that I knew was going to happen. Um <laughs> this is a setup. I did, you know, just to put a cap on that. Yes, I think that um um Jeff Goldblum's performance. There's a reason why uh, you know, Life Finds a Way became like a meme, right? Of in course. a good way. There's a reason why I think like so many of these lines like stick in people's heads uh or because, you know, they're well, they're well written, but also yeah, there's there's such texture to how it's delivered. You 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 just won't forget that character anytime soon, for for better or for worse. Everyone else is spectacular. Sp- uh, quick shout out, uh, maybe more than quick, if you guys have thoughts on him as well. But uh, John Hammond is portrayed by Richard Attenborough, mm-hmm. who is not was not really actually known as an actor. He had acted a little bit, but he was actually a director who very famously won. Uh, the best picture in the year 1984 for Gandhi over Mike. Do you know what the favorite was or Sammy for that matter?
2: I'm just caught up. Was he Gandhi?
0: He was not Gandhi. He directed the movie. (laughs) I was
2: like, that's a whitewashing if I've ever seen it. Well, it actually was whitewashed
0: because it was Ben Kingsley. So that's why people aren't necessarily super big on the movie, but uh, he won or won best picture over E.T. And what? almost everyone oh. at the time was like, what? And Richard Amber yeah. said here. at the time, well, I voted for E.T., so I don't know what you guys are doing. <laughs> um, and so a lot of people think that he and Spielberg actually had, like, a kind of fun little relationship because of that, because Spielberg actually seems pretty chill on awards stuff. Like, obviously, eventually he got his director and best picture and stuff. Um, but he's never seemed to be too bothered by it, I don't think. And so a lot of people think he gave him the role here partially because he kind of was just having a little fun it was like oh yeah this guy that technically beat me but we're actually kind of friends and and co-workers you know. so i always appreciate that but he sells the way he says welcome to jurassic park yeah i just i, I want to make that by ring i just want to hear that all the time that's Get just chills yeah it just in, it inspires you somehow you're and of course he's meant to be shifty uh but it doesn't really come across that way which may come up later um, he still
2: has a lot of wholesome grandpa vibes he
0: still has a lot of wholesome grandpa vibes exactly especially obviously when the kids show up um and last actor the only other actor i want to shout out is wayne knight uh, who's actually really, really, really good as Newman? He is. Like you just <laughs> not Newman. Well, as, um, I mean, <laughs> he is. I mean, he is That's good as Newman. It's also true. Uh, really good. Guy. What's his name again? Guys, <laughs> 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 my mind's going. Nedry. 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 Dennis it's, Nedry. It's, they yeah. both start with a then Give me a break. Who's really good as Dennis Nedry? Just totally sells like the this kind of slimy, you know, uh, rule break or this slimy guy who's who's gonna try to betray everyone and then. Uh, gets horrifically killed uh you just yeah they do him dirty works really well they do him the moment i will never forget the barbasol shaving cream on the pile like that is the best setup to like man this guy is just a just a dick i just hate this guy
2: genius <laughs> advertising so though yeah talk about ad- that. That. that's true
0: that's true i've you know to this day Barbasol kids i look at them and i'm like but they know.
1: they should have this may be a stray thought but they should have definitely had someone find it later and they're like everything inside is still good after all the mud washes on it <laughs> these kids yeah, are why amazing. they linger on
2: that scene they lingered on the scene for so long i yeah, feel like they, they were on gonna the shot, do something yeah. with it
0: it's like yeah it's like uh, a test it's great bye Barbasol. <laughs> Any other actors? I mean, everyone else does a pretty good job. I don't think anyone yeah. else stands out too much. No. No, I always like, <laughs> I'll be honest, guys. As
1: a kid, I always like, Rob Peck is, he's the Hunter Muldoon. I was like, this guy oh, yeah. should win oh, yeah. Oscar. And every time I return to it, he's still great but he's obviously like also a little over the top. Like he is. Yeah. He is a little much <laughs> like as an adult. I'm just like, Oh, that performance, not nearly as like Oscar worthy as I remembered, but still love it. Every it's one of the, the he's one of the, the, the nostalgic characters I
0: have from this movie. Um, the clever also girl line is one of my favorites. I was going to say he does get to deliver probably the most famous line of the movie. Clever girl. That was pretty good. Right guys. It, I John. think it
2: was the. I think it was the short shorts that did it.
0: See, that was okay. probably. It. You're lusting after everybody, but okay. The sex well, symbol. okay. Listen,
2: I'm just saying him Cri- and Muldoon and Ellie a Master
0: word, by the way, lusting. <laughs> <laughs> what is that?
2: I'm just merely commenting on the length of short, not the content within. Okay, we'll just move on from there. Uh. <laughs> I'm just saying. They were sharing shorts. That's all I'm saying. Most That's of the fair. cast, I feel like, was wearing the same shorts. That's all.
0: <laughs> it's a weird cult thing. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to continue on what makes this movie work. Uh, I have a whole section dedicated to the T-Rex attack scene because I would challenge you to find a better 10 to 15 minute like, action scene in, in any can't. movie ever. Oh. It's impossible. I, I just... So the number of things going right here, I mean, obviously we've by this point in the movie, we've been building to the big scary dinosaurs the whole time. And we haven't seen them. Like we've seen big ones, we've uh you know, we've we've hinted at so many, but we saw the Stegosaurus on the ground, that was very exciting. But, you know, the build-up, the storm, the power going out, uh, the setting, the fact that there's no music, which again you don't even realize until later that the whole scene is totally silent in terms of music. Um, and then obviously just just the visuals. That's the visual. We're going to get later to the possibility that some of the CGI in this movie has maybe aged a little bit. I can accept that. Um, this scene is perfect. And that was intentional. They were very smart in how they made the, made the movie. That uh, one of the limitations of CGI at the time, things tended to look a little bit too slick. And also lighting was very difficult. So there you go. Shoot the scene at night. Set it in a rainstorm. And you have a shot that has, I again, I know I'm biased. In my opinion, has perfectly held up, and is also paired with, you know, a Hitchcock level director in terms of tension. Um, just beginning
2: with the goat too. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So this is
1: this is the thing. This is the thing. I I honestly let. I'm gonna shut up, Sammy, because I want to hear you cook. Because I bet you have some awesome thoughts on this scene. But as someone oh who had not seen this in forever. The line, where did the vehicle stop? And then there isn't an answer, and then you just hear the goat bleeding. The goat that yeah. is brilliant. That yeah. is f- oh. freaking oh, wow. brilliant. But anyways, let me get out of the way. I'm gonna clear out. I'm gonna let y'all go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I think I mean I think Johnny kinda nailed it. I mean, it's it's the culmination of all of the tension building throughout I mean, literally from the opening scene of the movie. Yep. It is this moment. It is the T Rex. It is the the creme de la creme, if you will, uh, of the dinosaurs, oh, 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 right? That may, that so, gave me chills. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope in a good way. Uh but this yeah, I mean it, it starts it starts with that go, it's all of the characters that are that are there, I think, are perfectly placed, even just the even just how they decided to split up the characters into the two vehicles with the two yep. kids with the lawyer mm. and then yeah. Malcolm Real and Alan move. Grant in the other car. I mean, it's just, well, you know, it all worked out except for the lawyer, but it's it's <laughs> yeah, fine. Did, did they all abandoned children, so it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, there there's so many behind the scenes fun facts about that scene. I, I think one of which that I, I have to mention every time. It's just how they were able to make the water in the glass move, that moment uh, where they did. I'm, uh, John, you know this, correct? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but you can go I, ahead.
2: Uh, I, I feel like I'm going to mess it up now, but it, uh, <laughs> I think they used a giant like guitar string on the bottom of the vehicle. Uh-huh. Is that correct? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually they have... did that,
2: shook it up. Amazing.
0: I have even more context. Spielberg got the idea uh, listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire in his car. He had the bass really high, which also a great image. Uh, Spielberg in the in the <laughs> '90s okay, rolling around him. Los Angeles with Earth, Wind, and Fire playing. At any rate, saw his windshield uh, or his rearview mirror shaking, and was like, "Oh, we should do that." Apparently, it was a nightmare to figure out until one of the effects guys put put some water, a cup of water, on his guitar. And plucked a string. I was like, "That's it." And then they use that throughout the movie in a couple mm. of different places. Setups like that just—you're right—just create so much tension. It's—it's—it's it's, it's just a a, per, a masterclass of tension release. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: It's it's unique. It's also so many of these elements are unique to this movie that have gone on to be replicated in other movies or referenced in some way. But I think I think the novelty of all of these different elements coming together, even Alan Grant with the just that image of him with that. What is that? It? It's like a flare or dynamite yeah, or something yeah, flare, like that. Yeah. Like amazing. Just everything about it. I think it just all kind of comes together in this. Wow. What if I was in this situation when, the, I mean, again, every part of how the T-Rex is interacting with the kids when it comes, when it's eyeball comes through and you see the pupils like, you know, uh, contract and everything. I mean, everything about that, you are there with them. And I think that's such a unique thing that Spielberg is able to do.
0: Man, Do you guys remember when the biggest movie of the year had like original action scenes? Like, that's crazy. No, nothing. <laughs> anyways, no, no. Oh my god, anyways. Um, yeah, it's perfect. There's 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 a couple scenes that are up there too. Uh, I mean, we already talked a little bit about the Brachiosaurus. Um, I don't know how much you guys want to dive into those yeah. now or or in, in oh, okay, yeah. I think if we're you want doing, to go
1: ahead. We're doing favorite scenes, and I mean, obviously, the T Rex is the. You crowned the king. That's that is the movie. Um, I do want to. I do want to shout out, though, the entire Velociraptor sequence, because oh, sure, yeah, it's a close second. And what I what I really am struck by when I watch it is that you can tell that this is the same guy who made Jaws, but he's also mm-hmm. making a different movie because what they do so well in this movie is they do the Jaws thing where they are just building up the big bad. They're like the Velociraptors are the deadliest deadliest game whatever you want to call it and that's kind of what maloon is doing the entire film is trying to build the suspense and the dread for how dangerous these are but unlike jaws when they show you them sure some of the cgi maybe doesn't work with a lot of the dinosaurs as well that nowadays but it's not a rubber fish head like they are oh, no. terrifying when they start stalking these people and it is oh, the one kitchen of, oh my gosh the kitchen oh, scene yeah when the arm falls onto her shoulder Samuel oh, Jackson's yeah, no, arm <laughs> I literally die as a, Just as much as a 32 year old As I did when I was like 5
2: I mean it's I just like, you so know,
1: terrifying
2: I did have a straight thought About that that I'll just throw in there now why did Ellie Sattler at any point think that Samuel <laughs> right? Jackson's hand was attached to his body? Breach queen. That's not <laughs> I'm pretty
0: sure if I dropped a severed hand onto your shoulder, your first thought wouldn't be, oh, hey, oh, my friend. Oh, You know, yeah, yeah, you yeah, would, no, yeah, 100%. There's so many
1: obvious, anyways, whatever. Uh, oh, but
2: yes. Yeah, but, them using the, learning to do the doorknobs oh and all gosh. that stuff. I mean, every, every part of how they, and again, it's all leading up to because i don't think that moment would have been nearly as impactful if we hadn't known that they weren't supposed to be able to open doors yes
1: yeah yes and, yeah. It, and it's like we always talk about the at least john and i do the imbalance in a lot of um you know not quite as masters of film of show and tell like if you're a weaker director you're oh, constantly sure. telling 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 and what this movie does so well is both and that's a really hard balance to strike where it's like you not only told me but it didn't let me down when you decided yeah. to open pandora's box and show me too and that's oh no man i could gush about that i still think the t-rex scene is the scene of this movie but when i come back to thinking about it in terms of what gets my heart going it's always the the stock it's always the chase as these raptors try to get in and get at the main characters.
2: Yeah, uh, and honestly, for what works, I mean, my my big thing is the pacing. I think every scene feels really important, deliberate. It feels like it makes sense, and I don't feel like I'm bored. I don't think there's any part that comes on that I'm like, well, now I'm bored because yeah. this scene yeah. is mm. super slow. Or if it is slow, there's such purpose behind it that I'm still engaged, which I think is a super unique thing that not a lot of movies can do. Yeah. So I, I appreciate the the pacing of how they did this movie.
0: Well, when it comes in at brisk 127 minutes, you know, a little over two hours, but I think probably with credits, it's it's right at about two hours. I think that's great. It moves actually remarkably fast, which which is something I wasn't sure yeah. I always remembered. But you're actually at the brachiosaurus, I think, within 15 or 20 minutes. So even oh, though yeah, it's doing setup and it's 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 being careful with how it's doling things out. You know, they're also making sure you're right, sabby, that every moment you have something new that's kind of propelling you forward. You, you, have, you have something exciting that's kind of gripping you. It's kind of pretty nonstop, actually, from the storm, yeah. from the T-Rex scene on. Well, um, I, think, I think that's one of the most impressive parts of this movie is this might be
1: the best opening, like, exposition-laden sequence of any Spielberg mm. movie like from from the opening where they're trying to get the raptors into the cage and it makes eye contact with Mildoon all the way to them finding the mosquito to Grant sweeping off the fossils and talking about the raptor you know hook I mean all the way to them going to the island that all takes place like you're saying in 10 minutes and that's almost as thrilling as, as any opening sequence I've ever seen in a movie where it's they're, where they're yeah. talking at you so much. Like, it, I don't know. It's a wildly perfect introduction to the movie or to the world. Yeah. I mean, but it's also just so expertly paced.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Super fun. A lot of and good then, humor too.
0: Well, and then even tying the pacing into the Raptors thing too. Like, like it's actually, I wanted to say with the Raptors too, neither of you guys mentioned what I think is is the craziest thing about that scene which is that the Raptor that we've been building up to for the entire movie, first of all, we don't even see them until the last, I think, 15 or 20 minutes. So just mm-hmm. unreal. But secondly, when we finally do see it, it's a jump scare that you do not <laughs> expect because you just came out of a totally unrelated action scene, right? Which is the the fence, the electrified fence. I often think for some reason I play the mental like game of like, uh, if I could sit in one, if I could be in a movie theater for just one scene at any point in history, where would I be? And like, I almost want to pick that moment just because <laughs> that must have scared the, that must have been so scary at oh, that terrifying. moment. terrifying. Right? Because you are, the last thing I think you're thinking of is the Raptors at that, the whole movie, they've been talking about it. But he chose, he picks the one moment where he knows they're probably not thinking about it right now and then literally shoves it in your face. And you're like, okay, I'm I'm off. Like this is incredible. Well,
2: it's it's funny you mentioned that scene too, because that was also fresh off the heels of Tim getting electrocuted flown through the air. Yeah. So you're like, Oh, I hope he's okay, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but then and, just... and then you have a raptor at the same time. So it's a lot going on. but, but it funny, doesn't feel like too much.
1: Because it works it works across generations. Cause when I first right. saw this movie, I was so concerned for Tim. And then obviously like John's saying, your concern is then smacked in the face by terror. This time around, I was laughing so hard that I forgot about the (laughs) Raptors.
2: Well, (laughs) Alan, I mean, are we going to talk about how the funniest bit of the entire movie is when Alan Grant pretends to be electrocuted?
0: (laughs) Yes. It's it's an incredible move. I love that he figured out how to be, like, a parrot in, like, like two hours, apparently. Because you're right, Mike. That was just such a perfect, like, parental move of... just being mean to also they're in a survival situation so i don't know if that's like cool but you know no it was
1: the the definition of not
0: cool like i was
1: like what is you know
2: tim handled it i mean tim and lex both demonstrated how they're handling with this trauma lex is like hey that's not funny i am freaked out which is like Somehow she's the killjoy for being freaked out in this situation. Yeah, for and, uh, but yeah, Tim a bad
0: <laughs> rap in general for unfair, <laughs> oh, oh, unfairly? Oh, yeah. We'll yeah. talk
2: about that. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I only have... A, I'm just going to go through. I just have two small things for what works left. Um, this is maybe a moot point to mention by now, but the premise is just so good. Yeah. And, like, I, it's, it's so yeah. good that I think we actually kind of skip over it because we're all just like, yeah, obviously. Who wouldn't want to see a movie about dinosaurs re-engineered onto a theme park on an island that escape, Like, we, I said all of those words like it's something obvious because it is to all of us. But <laughs> Crichton just came up with that and made it in such a way that it was, like, kind of believable. Um, spoilers, by the way. The science doesn't really work at all. Shut but- up. This is lit- Most okay. of us yeah, Get out of here. We're, be We're coming to this. We're coming to this
1: in the what did it work section, which is internet nerds <laughs> like you. <laughs> I'm not, are yeah, you kidding me? I I'm
0: on board with the movie. I'm just saying that whatever. The don't point finish is your point. It's such a good <laughs> premise. And it's exactly the kind of thing Crichton was very, very good at coming up with. Yeah. Right. Sure. And I, 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 it's just, it's. I feel like anyone hears that, and is just like, yeah, I want to watch that movie. I want to, I want to see that. That sounds great.
2: Real um, quick, John. Yeah. I think it's really funny. Uh, just the irony that Crichton was kind of trying to give you the, uh, I don't know, this like lesson of like, hey, be really careful. You know, just because you can do something, maybe you shouldn't. And. You know consumerism—it's going to be the death of us all. And then his movie went on to franchise this like its own its actual (laughs) own theme park and Universal, a million movies.
1: Yeah,
0: Yeah, we didn't. And the Gigantosaurus—we'll talk about that and what didn't work. Don't talk about the sequels Uh, (laughs) yet. Uh, (laughs) Mike (laughs) took the bit from me, but I was going to say we didn't cover the sequels in our history with the movie because I think we're going to cover them in what doesn't work. If I had to guess, but we'll get there. Real quick, uh, that's fair, fair enough. Real quick, though, yeah, I want to talk about that overall structure because I do think Sammy
1: touches on a part of this movie that works, which is I actually, you know, sometimes what it's saying about like consumerism is kind of in your face. But I also think it, it does a really job of handling those themes in really subtle ways, too, that don't make this film seem overly political or overly right. kind of like it doesn't create its own off ramps. Which mm-hmm. you know can be a bad thing if you're trying to make a political film, but I actually think this is a, a perfect example of a movie that is being political without trying to be. For those who want it, which I think is perfect for yeah. a movie like this, and I think you know an example of that is it does like a really good job over and over again, making you as the viewer ask what seem to be obvious questions, like, hey, why on earth would they breed predators and not just stick to herbivores? <laughs> And then you go, oh duh, capitalism, right? Yeah. It makes the answer yeah. obvious yeah. in a really gross way, pretty quickly, and I, and that's very subtle. That's very hard to do. I think another great example is the scene with the Brachiosaurus, where this like the score's building, and then you have all the competing interests of the park, very naturally stating what they represent in this world. You know, the scientists yeah. are in awe. Goldblum is like, this is amazing, but you guys are insane. And the lawyer immediately says how they're going to make a bunch of money and that's yeah. just good script writing it's introducing a very important theme to like what sammy's saying this movie has a message about like hey maybe don't think that just because you can make something really big you should and then try to mass yeah. consume it uh, but it does that without getting in its own way or tripping over itself and i think a very underrated kind of celebration
0: of this film is kind of in that aspect of it totally agree 100 totally. percent uh that's mostly pretty much it for me for why this movie works do you guys have any other thoughts you want to you want to express
2: i mean i could go on forever but i mean every every scene i think is is uh is wonderfully placed so in, in general yeah that the movie just works it's a been a great oh. time being on the podcast thanks everybody Wait, you're what uh you're, it's the movie works so uh yeah well, that's, that's it i guess right that's the end of the podcast John,
1: right <laughs> Wait. I, well actually sammy i real quick i have one more uh, that works and, and jeff goldblum so hot right now you, oh you want to you give your thoughts All no right. i mean are we gonna talk about the practical effects specifically to any degree or oh we should that, yeah because yeah. i that's feel like the... that's been passed well, over so
0: so and actually, I'm sorry. That would have been a great thing. Yeah, I, I should have had that written down. But uh, I mentioned earlier, there's 14 minutes of dinosaurs in this movie. There's four minutes of digital effects. The rest are practical and probably are the reason why most of the effects do hold up today. Yeah. Um, it's actually just this really weird irony that this movie, which is obviously known for being the harbinger of the death of practical effects, is also the apex of them, too. Yeah, right? sure. Like Because of where it comes in 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 history because and that's i mean that's like a practical thing because you know practical effects would have kept getting better but they stopped making them because suddenly there is digital effects so sort of a good and bad as far as that goes at any rate um yeah like like you know yeah the stegosaurus one just just blows me away like in fact sammy and i rewatched the movie together a few days ago and i said to her like you just wouldn't see that scene today because you would just make it digital and it just wouldn't look that good. Right? I think yeah. you mean
2: the Triceratops.
0: I'm so sorry. The Triceratops. Whoa. The triceratops. Oh. Put some respect
2: on its name. Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but that scene is so perfect. And it, it lives and dies on the the practicality of the effect. And, yeah, yeah it makes me kind of sad, actually, to talk about it. But you're right. It is why this movie works. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you actually, on a lighter
2: note, do we uh, know you, how they made the big poop?
0: Do you? Because I don't. <laughs> well, no, let me, let I just—I'm
2: oh, you. just thinking asking. about it. <laughs> I, I got
1: you're an wondering. answer for you. They just—they just pooped in a field for the entire show. Oh, amazing! <laughs> Filmed that amazing. scene last. It was amazing. Amazing commitment.
0: Method actor, oh, you can say. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had one last thing of why this movie works. Jeff Even Goldblum? though there's a lot of practicality. Right. I'm just moving past you. Even though there's a lot of practicality things like 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 you know, movie plot hole nerds, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later, could could say a few things about this. Uh, but the John. heel the heel face turn of the T Rex at the end, uh as like kind of out of nowhere as it is, is so brilliant because the whole movie, you actually want to cheer for the T Rex. She yeah. is clearly the hero of the movie. So the fact that Spielberg was smart enough, because I don't know if you guys know, the original ending wasn't that. So in the original ending, the uh, the bones of the that they're kind of climbing over that are hung up in the lobby fall onto the velociraptors and kills them, and that's, that's how they leave. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, no, but that was a brilliant decision of like let's bring back what is obviously by that point the most fun uh character in the movie actually and give it and give her a little a little good guy a little heel turn a little face turn the old Um, razzle dazzle well the old razzle
1: dazzle that's a good transition maybe to what didn't work because for me you're right it's brilliant but it also straddles that line because like as an adult i'm like this is such a like with it freeze frames on him and like the banners falling and the di- there's a part of me that's just like this is so unbelievably corny but at the same time i don't think that in the moment because i go right back to being a kid and it is such yeah. a good blockbuster like you're saying climactic moment where he gives sure. the audience what they want and that's that's yeah. just yeah, a moment of service. brilliance by uh yeah before sam fantastic that's why this is
0: but. <laughs> Unironically, that's why this grossed $918 million, right? Yeah, that's 100%. Like, at the end of the day, a new, let's give them what they want. Let's be fun. Let's. This yeah. is a fun movie. Uh, absolutely. I'm so sorry. I missed a huge one in why this movie works that you remind me of, Mike. Uh, the sound design is just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. The and roar I don't know is, why people are oh. talking about yeah. more, but you remind me because that shot is is when it roars over the banner of folks. And that roar sound is so good. And so oh, like, since chills down your spine that you're like, I would, you know, I, I don't know if animals sound like that and that were that big, probably not, but it's so good. And it's so, and, and everything, the, the velociraptors, the, these are all obviously imaginary or, or, you know, in this context, imaginary, this, this iteration of them. So that's just extremely good work. I'm sorry. We had to go back for that. What doesn't work? You're right. Things like that. I could see um the cynical adult brain could sometimes (laughs) intrude and say huh and then you're like no 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 have fun just just run away (laughs) uh,
2: it's not even just one time i mean that that is probably the easiest to identify of like okay all right we we get it guy calm down you know but i i think too i mean do do you remember when the velociraptor i think it was when they were it's near the end the velociraptor like lifts his head Oh, it's like underneath a tarp and it's kind of like looking around and smiling a little bit. Yeah. It's, for got, some a little, it's got a little facial
0: it's like, expression. Yeah. yeah you're I, like, just, what?
2: I don't, I don't yeah, It's almost yeah. going like hee hee hee. like, I, I don't know that that also, I mean, there are a couple different moments yeah. like that where it's clearly just for us because you're like, well, that's not, that's not a thing.
1: Or like when the gymnast does a flip and Dino kicks the <laughs> velociraptor out of a window <laughs> and then Chris, hey, Pratt, that's historically and then
0: Chris gets on a motorcycle and leads them as his friends. Well, fantastic segue to to what I think is probably the single biggest thing that doesn't work about this movie is that in this movie that preaches about the perils of capitalism as a force of creation and the way that it tends to corrupt things as it tries to push them onto people and that all of these things, uh, we then spawn a so far, I think four part uh, or four sequel a uh, mm-hmm. multimedia franchise that <laughs>
1: more than that, right?
0: Is, is uh, increasingly bereft of any creative or uh, filmmaking talent. I'm just gonna say it. Sorry if you're a Jurassic World person, uh, but so I'm actually, sorry, not sorry, they're, they're <laughs> just <not> sorry. Trash. <laughs> yeah, it's just not good. Whoa. And it, it's so it just totally misunderstands, I think, the spirit of the original. The stranger thing to me isn't that Jurassic World doesn't work. But that The Lost World Jurassic Park doesn't work because that's still a Steven Spielberg movie. Hmm. Um, But it just doesn't have, in my opinion, like just as a quick summary of why I don't count those movies as things very excited. But I have a soft spot in my heart for the third one. But broadly speaking, none of them capture even like 10% of the magic of this movie. None of them seem interested in inspiring all at all, right? I'm sorry. the The world ones do, but they're bad and about they're bad at it, and it's much later. The of the initial sequels, like they, they, seem much more concerned with all of these other things that I'm just not interested in. Um, that being said, there's a couple, there's a couple good moments in 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 the sequels. Mike and I often talk about the tall grass scene yeah. in the Lost mm-hmm. World Jurassic Park, which is another, oh, yeah, like Steven Spielberg is just the you know greatest action, one of the greatest action directors of all time, and gets the flexibility. very very jaws is exactly. Um, but, you know, besides those, I, I think they just broadly kind of fail. Again, I, I sort of love Dress Park 3 from when I was a kid. I feel like on the rewatch it doesn't hold up, but I'm going to throw it to Sammy because I'm not sure. Do you agree with my assessment of the sequels?
2: Yeah, I mean, in, in general, I would say yes. I mean, it's it is weird, though. Like, why? Why? Why do they not fulfill that same type of same feeling that the first one evokes like i'm not super sure why not i mean there there are some moments yeah like i mean exactly like you guys said there's some random moments where you're like oh hey that feels you know that feels familiar that makes sense um i think even in the third movie you know how they're they're going through um one of the old i think they're on isla sorna not Isla Mm -hmm. newborn but it's yeah. yeah so they're they're on the other island but they're kind of looking through this like destroyed remnants of one of the in gen labs and stuff and they're kind of like looking at these like dinosaur fetus things and and stuff like that it which kind of evokes a little bit some awe and interest and you know curiosity of like oh okay you know but overall it, it feels like after the first one we're just doing a lot of dinosaurs are chasing us yeah and I I don't I don't yeah. think that happened very often in the first one I mean like a few times it definitely did but I don't know why they did. I guess that just is more blockbustery. I don't know why they they stuck to that.
1: Well, it's more yeah. It's more replicable. I mean, I think I think there's a
2: that's there true. is a
1: really good conversation that's more nuanced than what I'm going to say um, to be had about what John was saying about straddling the line between practical and, and digital effects because I do think that's part right. of it. it. I mean, it's actually the definition of just because you can doesn't mean you should. They're like, oh, right. now we can <laughs> make movies that show you all the dinosaurs all the time. And those just don't hold up. It's just not what we can. It's like John said, 14 minutes of this movie is all you get. Uh, So it's some misunderstanding of why it works. But I think what you're saying is is my cynical real answer, which is like these studios were just like, oh, we can make movies where it's almost like the new Star Wars content, where it's like the whole point of this episode is introduce you to a character you are hoping they would show you and it doesn't have a story it doesn't have content it doesn't have substance it's just only there to be like hey i bet you couldn't wait to the pterodactyls to show up here they are Uh," like and they're chasing somebody and that became the entire substance of the film it's a vehicle for those moments and that is a soulless nihilistic like horrifying view of art but I do think this franchise embodies how that is becoming increasingly what corporate cinema wants to do
0: because it's easy. Uh, But shout out to, to 13 year old me though, that the, the, the pterodactyl scene was sick. So I just want to throw it out there. It works. There's a reason they do it because it works, John. Like it is (laughs) because I buy it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But, and I'm I'm not even trying to say people who enjoy these things um, are yeah. stupid or say anything bad about them. like there are there are great moments in these movies but they are not the artistry that makes us love this first one they're, yeah. they're fundamentally totally not agree. even trying to be and I think that's what we're touching
0: on yeah yep 100% um yeah. I have a lot of lighter things now. I like, I like when we start with like the heavy, like, you know, yeah, modern dude, art is dead. Here's one Old, Samuel what, what Jackson, is it? Old man yells at cloud. That's like Samuel L. Jackson right doesn't say mother effer once in this movie. That didn't <laughs> that work That is true.
1: <laughs> And, uh, that's,
2: <laughs> and so, he, probably that's did.
1: he said, hold on your butts. Not once, but twice.
2: <laughs> he probably said his classic line when, uh, his arm got shot eaten off. Maybe? Yeah.
1: Maybe we just missed it. Said off screen.
2: <laughs> Do you think that was
1: on the editing group floor? <laughs> I hope they so. they thought about it. for was that, sure. coming up in the stream. Release thoughts. the
2: mother
0: effort, cut. <laughs> <laughs> um, what doesn't work? I I'm just gonna go through a couple of mine real quick. Uh, I do think some of the characters are sort of underwritten, yeah. Uh, which is probably just an effect of sort of like the move from novel to movie, but also streamlining them. I mean, it's very streamlining the novel. Uh, Mike, have you ever have you read the book? No, I'm not a nerd. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy and i both have so cool yeah
2: you're two against one buddy i'd back off
0: uh the book's really good for what it's worth but also super different especially in characterization um and i guess action for the most part but but the characters there, there's a lot of nuance that is kind of different than the movie and a lot of you know just, just characteristics that are different so a lot of that just kind of doesn't translate and then characters just sort of are right like there's a lot of characters that kind of just exist and do their thing and then die or you know or off screen and then who cares so it's not like super bad it's just like yeah technically i guess that could have been better yeah no i mean
1: all joking aside i have not read the book i've heard it's really good but i do think like you, you do get the sense that some of these characters are underbaked and actually like the the what didn't work the most for me kind of collides with that and a really i want to say insidious that's probably being too negative. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. It's a little insidious. Is that kind of collides with Spielberg's ongoing struggle with writing female characters? Um oh, when he well, includes yeah. them at all in his movies. Um Spielberg isn't always the best at that. And this is kind of a classic example. Like I I really, really love Ellie's character, but like there's this like subtext, not even subtext, an overt Texas movie that's like she's a baby crazed woman trying to convince her professional lover that he should want kids. That is just kind of like a weird motivation to throw onto a random otherwise wildly intelligent like professional person in this movie sure. and that point. comes yeah. across stronger because she's not very deeply written with other attributes so that one seems to take center stage a lot in a lot of her conversations with grant just a lot of her interactions in terms of the primary character that she's engaging with emotionally in this movie. And that's just strange to me, but I think that's kind of part of what you're talking about where it's like, maybe that quite frankly, gross part of his, uh, the writing of this film isn't as exaggerated. If that character has a little bit more, time and a little bit more writing behind her i don't Uh, know if you guys agree it's
0: been a really long time since i read the book but sammy i think the character is actually sexualized a lot more in the book if i recall right? love that love that for me yeah
2: yeah it's it's interesting i mean friends are let's just talk about women let's talk about women real quick we're (laughs) interested interested in that the movie uh, does not pass the bechdel test we all agree on that correct
1: yeah Yeah. uh, well i don't know the raptors talk to each other (laughs) Hey.
2: <laughs> but we but are theoretically the they're talking about the men right which means it still <laughs> oh,
1: doesn't us. The well
2: they're talking about so ellie at saying. some point
1: they are talking about ellie at one point
2: I'm oh sure. i'm sorry i didn't know i was speaking to a professor of raptor language <laughs> what, I, what i'm trying
1: to say Burn. is our, is Are we not sure that this is a feminist like manifesto because all the main characters are, are technically women in the film? I don't know, yeah, Sammy. You know what? I, I'm wow. just you know asking what? questions. I'm just asking
2: questions. The dinosaurs do eat a lot of men. Did they eat any women? I don't think so. Man, so I, maybe. I'm just is asking amazing. questions. This is the feminist movie of the century because the dinosaurs are trying to rid the men of Earth. <sighs>
0: <gasps> they even they even say in the movie dinosaurs eat man woman inherits the earth yeah Whoa. Guys, it, wait
2: a minute and i Whoa. like
1: it's kind of like when i throw a picture of my kid into a sermon you're allowed to just kind of like say whatever you want after that because people are like oh you said the line you showed the picture cool whatever this guy can say whatever he gets like a free pass they said something that sounded vaguely feminist so they're allowed to have malcolm say a line like dotler sattler i've refused to believe that you aren't acquainted with the law of attraction that's okay now.
2: I think like I know you're like mostly joking, but I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I think a lot of times movies like to make this like, well, hey, this character said something kind of feministy or did something kind of not manlike, so therefore we're probably okay. Like we're we're poking fun at the thing, but it's okay because we made sure that it was clear earlier that she's she's a cool lady or something yeah i don't know yeah. i i it's it's always weird when that happens because she is i mean does she have her own agency is always like the first question you want to ask right is she making these decisions herself or she I, I don't know it's, it's super interesting she obviously loves plants she's holding a big leaf a couple different times so <laughs> you know love that for her personality love that but at the same time, you also are writing characters like Lex in a way that is deliberately, kind of hoping to make fun of her being stupid and be and not yeah. knowing how to deal with dinosaurs and being scared and freaked out. Like, I it's it's hard to kind of I mean especially like as somebody who was, you know I don't know being a young girl watching this and idolizing this movie, loving it so much. It was really easy for me to kind of be like well i want to be like alan grant i don't want to be like all those you know i don't want to be like lex that's she's stupid she's bad you know whatever but i don't know they had the two main female characters lex and ellie sattler and i think I, i loved that they made ellie sattler this intelligent you know sought after woman i i suppose but it, it still feels a little odd. Even when they're talking about her, Alan and uh, Malcolm are talking about her by themselves. It it still feels not great, you know?
1: Yeah. And she's the only character Absolutely. that gets commented on by the other characters when she's not in the room. Right. And that's just yeah. like, and, and John and I always talk about, I mean, you made the comment about like, Oh, we're winking at it. So it's fine if we do the thing. That's one of the things that drives John and I crazy where it's like, you can yeah. parody something, you can satire something, well, and you can engage the topic and even portray the topic without partaking in the in the damaging aspect of it. Totally. This film does not do that. This film, you know, says it's bad, wink, wink, in one scene, and then just does the thing blatantly in the next. Well, and it she, does- li-
2: Ellie. Ellie even says at one point, she says we can debate the ethics of sexism or so. What did she say? Yeah, something like sexism yeah, and yeah. survival situations in survival later.
0: Situation,
2: yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I, I get it. But like, that's still, he's still doing it. Like yeah. it's still something that's happening. So I, I go back and forth. I think when I was younger and I, I wanted to believe the best of what this movie was trying to convey about women and in their role in these types of adventure movies, and it was it was refreshing to have somebody like Ellie Sattler in the movie as opposed to like a damsel in distress um most of the time, right? She is doing a lot more things than just needing to be rescued. If anything, Alan is the one who needs to be rescued, which is kind sure. of fun. so I, I appreciate that. It, as much as I do, it would be great to, you know, have her not be obsessed with having kids. And, you know, I don't know. it's just in, it's an interesting take. Another thing I had for something that does not work. I I think a lot of the I don't know if this is a product of the mixing, the sound mixing or or what, but I think sometimes the lines are not delivered very clearly as mm. far as literally yeah. being able to understand what they're saying. It's usually when they're when somebody's yelling one thing like Grant. I, I, I yeah, yeah there's, there's all these
0: weird little yeah
2: and and uh, and so there's that but then also combined with that i don't know if i was just a stupid kid or if they shot it this way or maybe both who knows but there were several times when they would have certain sounds and have certain shots together that i assumed were supposed to be together easiest example is when they have nedry pushing the execute button and the thunder and lightning happen <laughs> yeah, when yeah. as a kid I, yeah yeah
0: yeah, I, I just assumed related. that was yeah, connected,
2: thought, that they're yeah. controlling the weather in this world. So, uh, and then another point at uh, this one's probably a little more niche, but it's when it is that same scene when Hammond is yelling uh, Grant over the phone, and you hear the gunshots, and then it just shows the gun on the ground. I really thought the Velociraptor was gonna pick up the gun
0: which i'm still am i, you am I the me only that, one
2: who thought that
0: i never i don't know if i necessarily thought that i do agree it's an extremely weird cut i love the image you just put in my head though so i'm i'm totally yeah bored with what this did idea. it work yeah. a raptor never picks up a gun in this movie <laughs> so true now i'm bummed yeah I'm, that would have been incredible i do think like there's some weird i actually have always had a sort of sneaking suspicion that that was just part of the um like you think like every single shot of a dinosaur was so like expensive and had so much work going into and whatever that i think they try to cut it as much as possible because but that's just a weirdly edited like sequence right that he's on the phone and then you hear a raptor breaking into the glass i guess and Samuel right. looks over and shoots uh hammond shouts something you don't really understand what he says and then we cut to just the Gun on the ground and the raptor jumping onto the desk, but we're only looking at its feet. It's just a weird sequence. Yeah. There's a couple of things like that. And I think all of it is pretty much like we didn't we couldn't really figure out how to make that happen in within our budget because we're also remember since it's all groundbreaking that every single shot of a dinosaur is like crazy expensive. Um so I assume that's how that happens, but those are just weird shots. However, yeah, within that sequence is one of the best shots of the movie, which is the Raptor with the oh, yeah. DNA sequence letters being projected onto it. The GATCC things, you know. Uh, it's just such Love a weird that. shot, but it looks so good. Uh, but we're, that, we don't care about that because this is why this movie doesn't work. Um, <laughs> this one, actually, Mike, you haven't had. Mike, do you have any of why this movie doesn't work?
1: Yeah, uh, this goes back. This is a callback moment, but I actually, I'm like half joking, but I'm actually kind of half not. Which I'm just going to read you what I wrote. And that is the dicks on the internet who thought it was fun for anyone, for them to ruin the danger of these dinosaurs by what they were like IRL. No one cares that T-Rexes weren't super BA. No one cares. um, Oh my God, shut up.
0: What's the big one that velociraptors were... Like small, but but that's dumb because there's another raptor that's that same size. So it's yeah, like, who cares? I just don't like, care. Like, I, I truly yeah, yeah.
1: do. I don't like.
0: This is the thing. It's, it's like, almost these, like, like this actually is a engaging a with movie.
1: these people, and I'm like, don't even engage with them. Don't even don't even talk to them. It's a, it's a it's an exercise in missing the point. And, and they it, hate re- fun. Yeah, and yeah. it actually does frustrate me though because it's like kind of like one of the worst parts of the internet meets one of the worst part, like the worst styles of film criticism. Which is just like to forget that this is a story and that this is like it's OK for a movie to just be enjoyable and it doesn't need to be like this weird like, well, that would happen in the real world. The physics of it. ah Like, I just do not care. And it is something that took for a minute there with Jurassic Park, like an outsized. Uh, it was an outsized dialogue topic for this like this series. Anyway, sure. I'm, I'll get off my soapbox, but
0: it does legitimately annoy me. Because it, well, it that really is, does feel
1: like you're missing it.
0: That is a great segue. I only have two. I'm just going to get, or two left. I'm just going to get to them real quick. Um, the first one could be one of those things, but I don't think it is. Which is that, John. like, it, it's, it's something that once John. you notice it. No, calm down. <laughs> once you notice it or are told this, you will never unsee it. But Mike and I often repeat one of our favorite mantras is that a plot hole isn't a plot hole if you don't notice it in the movie. So that T-Rex attack is a perfect scene, right? It's thrilling. You're on board. You're excited. You can watch the movie probably a hundred times and enjoy it. But someone somewhere pointed out to other people that, and then, and then now it just continues like a virus and it just infects everyone because the, the, the geography of that scene makes absolutely no sense. Specifically when it gets pushed, when the, when the car gets pushed over the cliff, you're, there's this moment that you can stop and think like, where did that cliff come from? We You're we're like, we, did the T-Rex we,
2: just come the t- from there? Yeah. Like, wait, <laughs> just, yeah,
0: it was literally standing, uh, you know, behind the fence that the car is being pushed over. But now there's a cliff that it's wait, what? It it makes absolutely no sense. It doesn't matter because again, it's a perfect seed and who cares? Um, but that is something that's very tough to unsee once it's been pointed out to me. Um, My last one I, is kind of like a, a grading on a curve problem where it's like, yeah, I mean, this is a, a perfect movie, but it's also made by Steven Spielberg. So I do have to ask, why did he phone it in on the opening scene so much? Because Steven Spielberg has some of the best opening action adventure horror scenes of all time. You think about Jaws, you think about Raiders of the Lost Ark, you think about you know he's he's literally famous for seeds that are like define the entire movie right out of the gate and suck you in and I gotta say on this movie I kind of am not checked in until we get to Ellie Ellie and Allen right which I admittedly so, is like yeah. five minutes in so who cares I but so disagree with you I you so are there for that the the, the 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 raptor of the cage thing at the yeah. beginning because that oh, doesn't yeah. land for me at all no yeah, part no, of that is interesting to me disagree oh yeah you're wrong Okay. I can live with that. No. <laughs> does it just because somehow it's just isn't that it's very bloodless. It's very fast. It ends very fast. It's just like not a lot goes on. Like it just sort of happens. I don't know. It doesn't do anything for me.
1: I'm not there. But it does I for you, it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think it fits yeah. really well oh, yeah. into the, a lot of the stuff where we're talking about the building dread in the what's in the box kind of suspense of the movie for uh, it's just like part of that ongoing thing of open of opening that box is not as effective if you have not done things like that introductory sequence. Um, oh, not had moments like where he makes eye contact with a thing as it drags a human being that all these Shooter. people, are, yeah. I mean, the line delivery by the weird. I don't know is he Australian? <laughs> I don't know. Don't really love his accent, but whatever. <laughs> um, like there's stuff like that. But yeah, there is like this moment of of its building even the theme of this is far more dangerous than when homeboy starts walking him through the park than what he's leading them to believe like of course yeah, capitalism enough. has hidden the death of all these migrant workers um, who were the ones who had to get fed to the raptors to get them into the cages that are now going to shut down and the raptors are going to be out amongst the people that they're trying to impress I think it's out up I'm all for the scene I get what you're I, saying it's yeah. not the same it's not a Jaws level sequence but it's still very effective for me with it as an introductory um, thesis for this movie.
0: Sammy, thoughts? Tie break?
2: Yeah, I, I, it is kind of confusing. I, I don't know why the box is shaking as much as it is. As sure,
0: it is. that's it's fair. Like
2: Raptor just like <laughs> running against the well, side super fast. It's a crappy fast. box. It's a
1: really crappy box. <laughs> it, on the box. It just, on the box. It
2: does feel a little confusing, and you know the fact that the guy fell from the top in, I don't want a victim blame here, but here's the thing. Oh no. <laughs> I, oh I'm no. T- I just he's on top of the box he's not even on top of the box that the Raptors in he's on top of a separate box that the Raptors supposed to be going in so I don't know what happened there he really lost his footing. Uh, I am victim blaming a little bit, but Yeah,
1: you really um, sound like a corporation <laughs> who's like, <laughs> like a guy's arm gets cut off at the Tesla factory, and you're like, well, I mean, you should have been more careful. This is, this is, a, $5 no, no, no. $5 this is $5 an notes. hour to tin for
0: ass raptors This is from the transcript okay, right. of the deposition that InGen had to give, where, like, why are there lawyers? Like, I mean, he was standing got top of a box on top oh, of Oh, I box.
2: hate this. So I box. hate that, like, you're taking my childhood movie and being like, yeah, you would totally be the reputation manager for this for the engine i mean <laughs> damn that's so true though i would be so good at it too no but, i actually uh, think, oh, no.
1: we've already been over this you're the jurassic ranger you're the park ranger leading kids oh, to yeah. the park no it's like it
2: is- so it's like so i heard
1: that like a bunch of hispanic like low-wage migrant workers got oh, killed no. and you're like you're like you're the yada yada that you're like yeah that happened but yada 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 you are wow. making me
2: question everything because I definitely like when 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 they're like, yeah, there's like a bear incident in the park. I'll be like, yeah, but what were they what were they doing oh. before then? Because oh, no. the thing is, the thing is, they're usually trying to feed or pet the bear. That is I usually what get up happens. With you. Yeah. I so I just want to throw yeah. that out there. But, but you recognize feeling... that's not what
1: happened here, right?
2: <laughs> I do that recognize it. it. I do. I do recognize it. I hate yeah, it. It's got tough. No, you're right. You're right. So it's not his fault. Yay, nay. <laughs> Um, it, I, I yeah, I, I agree with both of you. I think it does not elicit the same type of, uh, I don't know, Spielberg level of pulling you in, but at the same time, because we are not seeing the full monster itself, I think it, it gives you enough. And you, you know, that somebody just died. The stakes are really high. So it, it yeah. feels a little more important. I'm there so for that. I'm there. I, I think, I think it's a combo. I'm just trying to just trying to piece me like i said i'm trying to
0: grade on a curve here a little bit you know it's just like you think about it as a, i'm just i just think there's there is there some version of that for this movie that didn't that didn't quite land right like some totally. opening scene that just becomes iconic this is not an iconic scene in this movie no one sure. ever thinks about the scene that's either. fair and it could have been you're right um that's it for me hey i mean it's mostly a perfect uh, it's mostly like a nearly perfect movie you guys got anything
2: no i, I hit it all
1: i have a stray thought that immediately connects to our last conversation
0: <laughs> well bef- let me introduce the idea real quick stray <laughs> thoughts we're going to each uh talk about some stray thoughts we have about the movie sammy did you end up getting a selection of these or
2: i did yes i okay. do they're about not I, I don't know how interesting they'll be but they are certainly stray thoughts
0: about so, how many
2: oh three or four
0: okay perfect um We'll just kind of trade back and forth. We'll just go around and then if someone runs out, they can just you know, they'll just run out and I'll be fine. So yeah, Mike, what do you got? What's uh what's your connection? Yeah, can we can we talk about Spielberg's like prescient?
1: Uh, sly political insight of having non-english speakers being the ones tasked with like being the first people to get a velociraptor into this theme park like i mean it
2: makes sense
1: go to hell greg you don't even want the jobs we ask immigrants to do in america okay like that's what i'm trying it's to true. say
2: here it's, it's true. like Stop. i was
1: watching this and i was immediately hearing some white guy being like they're taking our jobs it's like okay you go do it Tib karen I'm like going, you go do that job. you know
2: you probably mike you actually probably would like the book because they dive into that quite a bit i, th- I think the whole first like couple chapters or so it- it's kind of going into yeah the lawsuits of the families well it's funny because confused of what happened
0: because the movie does not take place in america uh but like the book is much more you're right sammy the book like that's a much bigger plot point is that like, the local basically, like he said, I mean, he says in the movie that he leased an island from uh, Costa Rica? Question yeah. Guatemala, somewhere? Um yeah. And, like, the book goes into a lot of detail about, like, the effects on uh, the the country that's being leased on. Um, from. Yeah. So, Which, I mean,
1: um, old, old white rich men who do what they want uh outside of Costa Rica with superficial scientific backing and disdain for lawyers and oversight. Is everything
0: yeah. wrong with the world? So that's a good good take by the book. Good, Most good realistic t- good part times. of the movie. Yep. Uh my first ray thought I'm stealing from Sabby, so I hope she doesn't have this in her oh list, but no. I already I already ago. know what it
2: is too. I
0: love the last shot of the movie. Uh, as they're flying away on the helicopter, they look uh-huh. out and there's there's uh, pelicans, I think, right? Flying yeah. flying off with them into the sunset. The score swells. It's a fantastic moment. Uh, someone pointed out, I believe on Reddit is where we found it, right, Sammy, that
2: yep. earlier
0: in the movie is the line. Grant delivers the line. I bet you'll never look at birds the same way again. In fact, it actually comes up twice if you count the speech he gives to the kid at the beginning. Um, and then in that shot, you have Grant looking with a very mixed expression i would say at a bunch of birds flying it's a great scene it's a great moment great little wrap-up lots of little details in this movie man uh also i'm gonna interject this is not a straight thought but we left out of what works that part of the build-up to the raptors was the speech grant gives to the kid at the beginning uh oh, so which good. is also like one of the best speeches in I, I would like to
2: interject if i may yeah. um Mike, again, as I have mentioned, lifelong friendship here uh, mm. Mm. with Mr. John Devine. Um, I'm not sure you can properly understand what it was like on the playground at lunchtime when he would word for word Perfect. quote that scene where Alan Grant is terrifying this child.
1: That's very John Devine. I can't believe that happened. I can like even hear. John- I can even hear him saying. <laughs> The point is, you are alive when they stop to eat you. Like, I can hear John saying that. Five-year-old oh, yeah. John just dropping that bomb.
2: Yeah, like, John's the same age as the little kid Did in he it carry around
0: just... like a hook? Did he Man, if only. I'm surprised he didn't. If only. I would have loved to have. <laughs> I mean, I feel like school-wise, that's maybe not cool. I don't know if they're cool with that, but, you know, whatever. It's fine. I would have landed. Wild.
2: Good speech, though. It was good. It
0: is. It is. Was that your stray thought?
2: Oh, I just was bouncing off of you talking about the, the speech. It just made me think of it. That's
0: fine. I, I just The better
1: uh, response, Sammy, would have been, yes, that was my stray thought, John. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, stole it. You,
2: yeah, you stole my other one. So I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: I, okay. Uh, Mike, what do you got? Uh, well, sure you know moving, what? Guys. We got I'm really excited for this moment. This is uh, podcasting history. Uh, I actually don't even really want to hear your thoughts on this, John sammy sammy don't sammy. you dare okay. don't you dare say it don't you dare sammy. say it sammy no 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 no, no! sammy are you ready yeah better hang nedry or oh. davis <laughs> oh.
0: let
2: me process let me let me gather can't
0: okay. believe you picked nedry i picked the lawyer <laughs> i'm mad i'm mad
2: well, Mike Mike do you have an answer first? That's, that's uh, I have
0: I
1: have so far on this podcast picked Baron Harkonnen, the Joker, most of the characters from 7 or uh sorry uh Zodiac so, yeah, I think I'm going with Nedry, but... Nedry <laughs> like doesn't least, seem like
0: that bad a guy. At like, least Nedry,
1: I'm... like, he gambles, he buys a lot of food. Like, he has a lot to share in terms of his yeah. food habits. He's ambitious you know... in life. He's He's ambitious. Got, you know, He wants stuff. Honestly,
2: yeah, I've... I've unfortunately, made Dino's? This last rewatch, I was kind of a Dennis Nedry apologist. I because I was like, you know, he only wanted to make some more money. He's doing the work of, like, five or six different tech people all by himself. You know, I mean he's workers' just, rights.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. That's
2: all I'm saying. So it's just he's doing what he's doing, and he says, "Hey, it'd be really nice, Hammond, if you paid me more." And Hammond's like, "I don't care if you're not making money; it's your fault." That's kind of rude, you know?
1: Yeah. So, so what you got? What you got? What's your answer?
2: I, I, I might be on Nedry on this one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: Tough. Another L. Another. L. I don't know. I mean, His, like, what is it? Sixteen and O.
1: Like it's yeah tough. we've we've been accused of being too hard on Llewellyn Davis on this podcast, but I want I want the <laughs> listeners to hear me when I say this is a third party
0: objective vote. That's true, and it's just yeah. it's, it it's went just, against just, him. Uh, it's just Llewellyn Davis sucks.
2: <laughs> I'm uh, so happy I could be part of this. For, for thank you, place.
0: podcasting <laughs> history right in the making. <laughs> when they are introduced into the lobby in the movie and they're walking up the stairs, there's this line that Grant and Malcolm share of uh, Grant says, I think I'm out of a job. And Malcolm says, don't you mean extinct? Uh, that actually came from the stop motion animator, Phil Tippett that had been hired for this movie. That's how old this movie was that when they were in pre-production, they were going to do stop motion. And uh, when they first saw the mockup of, that the guys that IOM had done of the CGI of a T-Rex walking, um, Phil Tippett apparently said, I think I'm extinct, which is just uh, I a... Mean, and then the fact that Spielberg went from that and put that into the movie, <laughs> That's that's tough, man. That's, that's kind of savage. <laughs> uh, for what it's worth, Tippett still had a job on the movie. They actually discovered that they needed experienced uh, animators to help with the dinosaurs. So it was kind of a cool thing where there was like, "Oh, you still have things to do." It's just not necessarily the same. The same.
2: Stray thought there. Do you know what his uh, credit role? Oh, wow, I know this movie too well. Do you know what his credit role is in the?
0: I actually think I end. do, but to, uh, what is it? Tell me.
2: It's a dinosaur supervisor, yep, which yep. I mean, you know, a lot of people died, Phil. So, kind of, kind of, Phil, <laughs> kind of <laughs> fell flat on your job, buddy. Where his were first, you?
1: His first job got made extinct, and then he got a lot of people killed. <laughs> tough break. <laughs> I mean,
2: break. Not great. Not looking good.
1: Uh, Mike, what do you got? Uh what do I have? Uh, the meme. Okay, so guys, the meme with Grant taking off his glasses is like for me it's like <laughs> the lord of lords when it comes to memes I have seen it used so many times my favorite though is they do the music it's actually not even a meme it's like a brief video and it's like he takes his glasses off and then it's just a couple of dudes riding on little tiny motorcycles wearing those inflatable t-rex costumes that were popular for a little oh, bit <laughs> and it that. is it is literally the funniest like I've ever seen <laughs> like he's <just> like <laughs> and then, Inflatable T-Rex (laughs) says. It cracks me up every time. Yeah. So that meme has a a lasting legacy.
2: Of course. Um, I do. I have a stray thought over here. Uh, You know, we were talking, speaking of the opening scene where, you know, the raptors in the box, all the Muldoon is trying to save that one guy. But where is that guy who his face was on the first opening shot of the movie? And he's just he's just looking up. What's he doing now? How's he doing? Does he know oh, that dead. his face launch? Whoa, Whoa! This is nineteen.
0: This is thirty years ago, Mike. I this thought you met the was.
1: Oh, I thought you met the character. <laughs> I thought you met <laughs> no. the character. She no, I don't the know. <laughs> no, the actor.
2: No, the actor. I mean, did he know that he was the he is the first face, first human face you see. In something that would launch this huge franchise—TV shows, movies, video games, Legos—all these things—does he know? Because I would be flaunting that for literally the rest of my life.
0: Well, I like to imagine question, he has the frame hung up in his in his house. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what you got? Yeah.
1: Better question: Does he know that he just caught a stray from John on this podcast, <laughs> like for <laughs> no reason? John was just like, "That scene sucks, and he sucks, and he's cruel." It doesn't is,
2: suck is because of him. No, it's okay,
0: John. I just wanna know who he does. I'm just I'm just if asking you're listening questions. to this podcast, he has you're a spectacular still,
2: He has you a look. Google alert for Jurassic Park, so he'll definitely listen to this.
0: I love the idea that he became a super fan. That's that makes me happy.
2: I just wanna know what he's you know, like if his kids are like, I don't wanna do the dishes and he's like, Now kids, I didn't star in the <laughs> star? biggest movie franchise <laughs> of our time just for you to I don't know. I just want to, I just hope he's doing well. You know, I don't know if he knew right, what was, was the in, best. It's probably Thoughts, and Thoughts and Thoughts That's impressive. Wow.
0: Everyone talks about the fact that Steven Spielberg back-to-backed Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in one year, which is truly insane. He was looking... So while they were shooting Schindler's List, he was watching um dailies from the editing work being done on Jurassic Park, the post-production on Jurassic Park. Like, at night, he would do that while That's he was shooting mess you Schindler's up. List. That's... I mean, the guy is just insane. Um... What I also just want to point out is John Williams also back to backs Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. Schindler's List being considered one of the greatest film soundtracks of all time, and Jurassic Park being considered one of the greatest film soundtracks of all time. The guys, they're just on another level. I just don't understand. It's just, it's bonkers. It's crazy. That's all I got. I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm amazed.
2: You know, I'm just thinking about what would have happened if Ian Malcolm was in Schindler's List now.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Man. Talk like, there's no Sammy. Good you question. messed up because we have nowhere to go from there. <laughs> there is literally I'm nowhere. I'm sorry. To go I from thought
2: there. this was called Stray Thoughts, not let me have something to build off of thoughts. <sighs>
1: no, I'm just, I'm impressed. I'm just like, I'm stunned. I'm all speechless. I'm trying to imagine it and I can't. Mike, what's your thought? <laughs> uh, oh, um, since becoming a parent, I have never related to a character more. Then Grant being asked a million questions by these stupid kids, <laughs> him trying to run away. But then they are almost eaten by dinosaurs and he has to be like, oh, fine and save their lives from some disaster. That so is like true. what it means to be a parrot. You're just like, oh, my God, this kid. I just want them to go away and stop asking me things. And they're like, crap, but I still kind of love them, So I'm going to go save them from a
0: dinosaur,
2: <laughs> which I will say was a, a, an interesting uh, change from the book. Right, John?
0: Yeah, in the book, he actually really likes kids from the beginning. Which makes
2: sense because yeah. he's yeah. like, kids love dinosaurs. So I like that kids like dinosaurs. So the, I, I actually think that change made a lot of sense in the movie. It, it at least gave Grant some kind of uh, arc. arc. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, also, Happy Father's Day, Mike. After all things. Thanks, bud. <laughs> Did, uh, just realize that was yesterday. I haven't times. lost a kid to dinosaurs yet. I was just gonna say so that's strong. all. That's
2: it's a low bar, but it's still important.
0: Yep, you hit it Uh, Sammy, do you have any stray thoughts left?
2: Yeah, I mean it's kind of uh, It just is a testament to As we were talking earlier Just how original this concept For both a movie and book are And again, you touched on it That it was uh, picked up To be made as a movie When the book came out as well Because Steven Spielberg heard the concept That Michael Crichton was going to write this book And was like, oh, I'm going to make a movie about that and decided to do it I mean that I, Man, I don't know if that that's crazy. I think that happens now in this day and age only because people see the the money potential which of course like Spielberg probably did too but I'd like to think that Spielberg likes to take on you know passion projects things he's actually excited and interested in and wants to kind of put his own spin on it but I just think that's super unique that the movie and book came out just right around the same time I think that's super cool
0: absolutely
1: Mike, what do you got? I got one more, and it's just a shout out. Um, You know, you don't know how art impacts the people that receive it. I can say definitively that the most important impact that this movie has had on my life is how often I do say the phrase in real conversations hold on to your butts. I say it (laughs) all the time. And in a glorious moment, rewatching this movie again, it had been a decade. I forgot that was from this movie entirely. (laughs) When he he says it, I'm like, it's like that picture of the guy making the big face while eating popcorn. That's what it was. It was exactly that. I was like, holy crap, that's from Jurassic Park. Having worked with Mike and obviously being
0: his friend, he literally says this phrase just in life, just constantly. Well,
2: what? give me an example of when you would say it. Oh, just like
0: we're about to do something.
1: Exciting in a staff meeting. I just like hold yep. on to your butts, guys. Yep,
0: there you go. That oh, was it. Hundred percent. Love that. This yeah. is my last one, and I didn't think I intended it to be my last one because it's a little random. But uh, why not? Uh, my favorite comic strip is Calvin and Hobbes. Um, you guys familiar Calvin and Hobbes fans? No, I never heard of it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I I detect from your toe that you're mocking me, but we're just gonna we're just gonna continue. Um, my favorite comic. Uh, had a long run of like he would often use like the imagination of Calvin and he often would draw dinosaurs in it. Uh, I remember reading a book when I was a kid that he had had done a kind of annotated collection of of comics and he admitted uh, Waterston by the way the the creator, he admitted that he actually paused the dinosaur comics uh, for a few years after Jurassic Park because quote unquote I didn't want Calvin's imagination to look less vivid by comparison which wow. is so odd and such an interesting idea that he was like i and was, he goes on to say he's like i couldn't compete like i wanted the paint the pictures to look like really cool and like like realistic and stuff but i just couldn't compete with the cgi thing and i just thought that it really took all the color out of it so i just didn't want to do that i did i just left that bit behind for a few years and then finally after enough time passed i was i was more interested in coming back to it just an interesting idea i I'd never even thought of that that a comic artist just thinking you know i this doesn't look as good anymore uh i feel like times have changed with that because now movies showing us spectacular things we're like yeah whatever but it's all cgi (laughs) um is that it that's all i got yeah i think so stick around after the break we're gonna have some discussion and dialogue on some more parts about this movie Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, in this part of the show, we try to dive a little bit deeper into some aspect of the movie, maybe branching off to talk about how it can affect our lives in some way, or you know, just diving deeper into some aspect of it. Uh, to set up the conversation this week, I I, I wanted to fix on this idea of awe and wonder. Um, these are two things that are critical to I would say almost all of Steven Spielberg's movies, but seem to be very particularly critical here. It's such a key theme of this movie the idea of that sensation of awe and wonder but the way that that can then be used and even exploited perhaps by a capitalist system or by people trying to sell something it's sort of fascinating to think of the movie in those terms i I would say on some level that it kind of functions or you can maybe read it as a commentary on itself or on filmmaking in general which is a pretty commonly held sort of way to look at Spielberg's movies but if you think about it you have this beautiful side of all and wonder being presented in the movie but then you have that perspective that also that can let that can force you to let your guard down to not notice something very obvious in front of you, or I should say a danger that's very obvious right in front of you in exactly the same way that all of our characters in this movie are so overwhelmed by by the idea of the dinosaurs that even you, I would argue even like the Malcolm character and even the, the Saddler and Grant characters are also part of that where they're so overwhelmed, they still don't quite grasp, wait, should I be worried? Should I be paying attention to the little details here that aren't really adding up to the things about this that maybe I should have had pause about that? you know, You could even say, was I so worried about whether or not I could that I didn't think if I should? I think that the movie knows that that's some part of its conversation. I sort of want to branch off that and, and maybe talk about, again, both the the positive side of that sensation of, of wonder, but also maybe the dangers and trappings of that. Um, Mike, I'll throw it to you first. I don't know if you already have some thoughts on this maybe, uh, but do you see how Jurassic park maybe is playing with these, these ideas and, 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 you know what that commentary what we can kind of take out of it in that in that context yeah
1: yeah of course i mean i think that's pretty spot on in a lot of ways i think i mean it even goes back to that opening sequence that we were, you know playfully debating but you you go to this thing that makes you feel something so awesome so amazing that it can that feeling, that that positive feeling of wonder that it can create can lead you to like not ask how it was made, right? Um, because yeah. you're so caught up in this thing that's making you feel some kind of way that you don't think about what's taken. Like you said, even the signs in front of you, but much less the signs that are not being presented to you of the dangers or the harms or whatever else. And obviously as like a pastor in a modern church who's uh, living at a time where the rise and fall of modern Hill podcasts are bringing things up. You get all this stuff with any number of mega churches that are experiencing falls from grace. That's like, that's like the fundamental thing that we're talking about here. What is taking places in those churches is that exact problem, which is you go to this big thing that makes you feel awe, that makes you feel uh, something powerful, something experiential. And that in that you can get so swept up on it that you stop asking the important questions about the integrity of the thing, about the potential shadow side of the thing. And you can actually become quite complicit in it um, because of that, because fundamentally the stronger something makes you feel, the more blind you're going to be to some of the negatives of it. That's just kind of how the human experience works, right? So on one hand, that, that was my immediate response. But I also think there's just something, I mean, still connecting to the faith conversation. There's also something powerful about like, a spirituality is is important i think because it frees people to say i don't know right when it is healthy it is freeing you to realize you don't have all the answers you don't need to have all the answers you're able to just be in the moment and and, and be humble and, and open enough and vulnerable enough to say like again i don't know but the the, the shadow side of that is that you can be so deeply like open-handed and unwilling to judge and unwilling to discern that you stop trusting your gut, right? And you can actually be someone who is like in an environment where you're just like, I know there's something off about this, but I've been told to just trust, right? I've been told that like maturity is, is that willingness to say, I don't have all the answers. I don't know about that. Right. And suddenly again, you're caught up in a level of complicity and something that's quite dangerous. Um, when everything around you might be screaming, Hey, you actually do know, and this is not good, right? Um, so yeah. those are those are the those are the two like light and dark sides of it that came to my mind. Both that feeling and that unconcern of the negative, but also that that humble um, mystery that is actually a good thing to be teaching people to embrace, and the trust that comes with that. That is then also conflicting with uh, at some point you stop being aware of the obvious, even the things that you are somewhere deep down recognizing are off.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Sammy, do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, for sure, echoing what Mike said, I, I think that's a very astute observation, especially with how we are receiving something like awe and wonder. And I, I yeah, I think I think that's um, yeah, that's super cool. I I think for me, when I think of awe and wonder, especially in relates to the as it relates to the movie, um, you know a lot of times when we are experiencing something like that it is usually connected to some sort of novelty experience mm. i think um like I, as a park ranger i i hear those words all the, t- all the time you know people go on a hike and they're like i'm I'm you know ah, inspired and beautiful and, and amazing breathtaking all these different words and um it, it's it's just interesting because a lot of times they will never go on that hike again they came here to do that one hike and and they left and they'll have that experience with them But I think the times that awe and wonder are connected to things like, you know childlike wonder, right? I think that's because children are often experiencing so many things for the first time and everything is so cool It's so new. It's so big and and everything and I think as adults are, are we not also trying to kind of chase that same mm, feeling we're yeah. chasing that novelty new experience. And I think, I, I think too, in terms of, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of, um, anger being considered a secondary emotion. Yeah. Have you guys heard oh, that? Oh yes. Type of thing? Yeah, nabbing, it's a, it's a big one. Men in America yeah so it's it's a big thing right it's the idea john did you say you're familiar with it i'm or not actually to... no i haven't heard so
0: of it. so
2: the idea is that i mean honestly it's super helpful in a customer service setting but even if you just think of it interpersonally if you are talking to somebody who is angry anger is not the is not a primary emotion there is something behind that that elicited that angry response so something maybe like confusion or embarrassment or or just disappointment disappointment yeah fear fear is a big one disappointment is a big one that leads to the anger so what they say is that you should be addressing the primary emotion instead of the secondary emotion which is anger so if i think of something like awe and wonder as a primary emotion this this response you have deep within your soul when you're standing on top of a mountain and looking out what is the secondary emotion that we take from that? What do we do with those feelings? and I think about that all the time?
0: I, absolutely I you know it's. I, I was kind of working through um, as you and Mike were both talking like like an idea about the difference kind of you know that that that, that difference between how we experience those things as a child and as an adult because I think you're right, Sammy, that gets right at the heart of like how are we? how are you approaching this right and what are the and and i love the idea of as a primary emotion as something you start with is like that feeling of all and wonder i think that if i had to categorize exactly what it's like or, or you know what maybe separates that for, from where we are as as an adult sometimes when we, we feel like maybe we're losing that or that's harder to come by i think you're you're spot on it's novelty but there's also that sense sometimes i think where it's like when you see something that is beyond your comprehension right when you see something that's overwhelming to you do you respond to that with excitement or with like suspicion right mm. cuz you think about the way that like like all would be the excitement at the unknown cuz or you know un- unknown and overwhelming that's like you know like you said i think i think the, the trail is such a perfect metaphor that you get up to the top of the mountain and it's just, you know, a picture is a picture. But if I'm standing there looking at this amazing landscape, that's something different. And I think what's great about that experience and what's great about nature is that it's very easy for anyone to look at that and feel excitement, right? Um, but you're also right that it's like with kids, they, they seem to be able to do that all the time. And I think a lot of it is that, you know, you have to learn to be afraid of new things i mean mike is that true because you actually have kids so i say it like i don't know but i i I see i i perceive that it's like that's a learned thing of oh i should be afraid of something new or i should be suspicious of something new and again it's complicated because on the one hand there's a there's an honest value to that and i think that's kind of that first thing we were talking about where it's like there's something that something insidious can happen with all in wonder and and it is easy for things to sneak in and like, you know, people get taken advantage of all the time through their emotions. Right. So, so there is a reason why we grow suspicious of it, but that's the trick is like, can I, can, can I maintain that level of discernment while still being able to, again, look at something I don't understand and be excited and be, and and be, be, you know, yeah, be being wonder about it rather than fear about it necessarily. Well,
1: well, I think it's funny you brought up me being a parent, and I am the only one qualified to speak to this, so you all can shut your uh, butts. <laughs> um, fair, fair enough. No, no, I actually think that's it's something that um, I've been incredibly attentive to. I'm going to use a very specific example, and you'll see I think why. But there is a, so yeah, like Audie is not naturally afraid of snakes. Right. She didn't look sure. at a snake and she wasn't just like, well, that's the devil and I should kill it. <laughs> and yet at the same time, she needs to not pick up cotton melts. Right. We live in a place in which a lot of the snakes that we come across in hikes are going to be water moccasins. And that would be bad if Adi picked up a water moccasin. That would not end well for Audie. And what what I have noticed is that I think what we see in America in particular is this antagonism to snakes, right? And it's, so you see people all the time with like rattlesnake roundups where they go around and they explicitly seek out venomous snakes and just kill them for no reason. Other than they're snakes, they're bad. We're afraid of them. Let's get them away. Um, I see any number of pictures in the South where someone's like this uh, rattlesnake entered our yard. So I shot it because I have kids. And ultimately that's horrendous because that snake's not going to bother anybody, right? Right. Left to its own devices, a venomous snake doesn't want to bite you. I promise I'm going somewhere, but it's going to leave you alone. So what I've realized is that what you see in that moment is exactly what you're talking about, John. They were like, this kid has awe and wonder, but there is a dangerous reality to this animal. And without nuance, the response to that is to teach that kid fear. Un- mm. Unmitigated, you need to be afraid of this thing. Get Bury that awe and just attack, right? and what Wirky and I have really tried to do is actually to keep fostering that awe for snakes and this is this can be applied to a whole host of examples this is just one of the ones that's very obvious keep fostering it so like when we see a snake on a hike we're just like yes this is really cool while teaching respect and a little bit of healthy caution right and what I mean by that is you can look at the snake. We encourage her to, like, from 10 feet away, look at that snake, talk about what it looks like, be like, that snake's not hurting anybody. That snake is so beautiful. It's so wonderful. While still being like, but you need to respect its space. You need to uh, approach it with a level of, um, I don't, we're, we explicitly try not to say fear, but a level of, I, I don't have a better word for respect. Basically, give it the dignity of recognizing that it probably doesn't want you to touch you. And that maybe some things that you want to touch will have negative consequences, but it doesn't mean you can't still look at it and, and honor it and, and be blown away by how amazing it is. Does that make sense? And that's kind of like, yeah. I think that's where discernment is. It's like as adults, that's what the middle ground is far grayer. Cause that is a very gray space to be, but I think that's what I'm always shooting for. It's I still want to be impacted by the moment. I still don't want to like have my first thought when I see something new in, in, awe-inspiring to be one of fear and one of, of of suspicion, like you said, but I also want to still balance that with the ability to, in the moment, I think discerning is a good word for it, kind of figure out what does it mean for me to respect this thing that's bringing me awe, and myself, yeah. in which both neither of us are harmed by this interaction, right, um, of the unknown i'm kind of babbling now but i think that's kind of where i see my job as a parent when it comes to this little child is is how do you still foster that awe while teaching them what
0: respecting the things that bring them awe looks like yeah you know what's funny sammy is like as a rager this actually is kind of right so much i think of like your guys' efforts right like like do you do you see that in, in that position? And, and, and I guess also broadly, if you have other thoughts, I'd, I'd love to hear them too, but I'm just curious cause I know it's, it's so much tied to the work that you have to do with, with parks and stuff. Um, I, I assume, I guess.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, I, I loved everything you said, Mike, by the way. And I think that is the appropriate way to kind of teach kids. It's, it's very much an awareness. And I think, I think, too, uh, even, again, speaking of awe and wonder, I think a lot of times that comes with an appreciation and an awareness of your place. Mm. And I think you can say that even broadly of, like, your place in this world, your place on that hike, on that trail, whatever it is. And, you know, you can be at the top of a mountain and be looking out and be like, wow, it is – I could fall off. I could trip and I could fall um, so does that mean that we should avoid that hike or never go on that mound again because of the potential danger there? Well well no, For, first of all, that's ridiculous, you know but also, I mean it was it was here first. You are here mm. enjoying this thing that exists. And I think it's the same thing with you showing Audie you know these uh, you know a snake or something like that. like this is also this thing's home it lives here and it's doing its own thing and we're doing our own thing as well and I think it kind of it allows you to step back and say wow okay I am I am small and I think Mm, it's a pretty humbling experience in general I think usually that is how I um, interpret moments of yeah look look how amazing these these waterfalls are you know look at this is the tallest waterfall in North America and you can actually hike to the top of it but you know, realizing that this is nature and this is not, you know, built for you. This is something that you get to enjoy in a safe way and appreciate where you fall in line.
1: I love that. Yeah. I mean, half joking, but not, we are constantly reminding Audie that this is that this is the animal's home and not hers. Where she's totally. just like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah she's yeah. just like, can I catch it and take it home? And you're like, and we're just constantly like, kind of like, would you like it if someone came to your home and like took you? And uh, we don't do it that scarily. That would be terrifying. <laughs> I was like, for a oh my god, <laughs>
2: that would be. scary. I kind yeah. of tensed
1: up. I was like, but oh. that's like that's like the the gist of what you want them to think about. Because what you what you really want them to think about is kind of like what Sammy is saying. Is I mean, it's kind of like that Jesus do one to other as you would do to you. That that's part of it. But it's also just like there's an alien-ness, right? You need to remember that you're an alien here, and that you are in someone else's house, and like that should reframe how you're engaging with it. I just love what you said so I'm not one of you I feel like I'm just restating what you said but it was really no, meaningful for, sure. for me to hear because that is a powerful way to kind of think about it
0: hey guys thank you again so much for listening uh we do have a final question that Mike and I have each prepared uh, we'll throw those to Sammy too I, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm interested to get her take on at least mine I don't know what Mike's is but uh, did well let you know on the next episode we're going to be talking about goodwill hunting how do you like them uh, apples John I, I want you to know I paused because I knew you were going to do that so you, you basic. What are these, these right, days Mike. John I want to come to your apartment and I want it to be empty because you moved to I don't care where I think you that's realize I don't live there <laughs> Like I, I already did that. I moved away. So wait, was that how Sammy found out that you moved to New York?
2: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.
0: Oh my god. Okay. Uh, but before that, or sorry, to end this episode, we have a final question. We have each prepared. Mike, mine's a little boring, so I'm going to go first. Okay. Uh, Dennis Nedry tries to escape from the island. Things don't go well for him. But his plan is, like, multifaceted, but it starts breaking down, I think, pretty much as soon as he's, like, driving through yeah. a storm and he hits the side Agreed. and things go bad. I would ask, if you're Nedry and you've stolen the, the the Barbersal can of embryos, like, at what point do you turn back or do you turn back at all? Do you think you go – do you think you're as strong-willed as Wayne Knight, Newman – or Dennis Nedry. Let's just be honest. They're all the same character. Um, <laughs> do you think you're that strong willed or, or when do you turn back?
1: I am like a... And John knows this about me. Uh, I am a pretty crazy control freak. So I'm big mm-hmm. planner of strategic initiatives. Big on the planning front. Um, I'm oh, so also decently good in, in crisis. So, so what are I, you...
0: <laughs> you no, don't think...
1: <laughs> what I'm going to say is that I am very good at weighing when something is just like, hey, we just shouldn't do this, right? Uh, and when the hurricane's coming, that would be the number one spot where I'd just be like, hey guys, uh, this plan's not gonna and work. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would never even start is what I'm trying to say. Like I would've called it off right. well before that happened because that is such an obvious like disaster point for this yeah, plan like, let's
2: do this tomorrow yeah that <laughs> all tomorrow? hinges on him
1: getting to a boat <laughs> like as the last one off the island no sir you're screwed and that's before the fact that he can't drive but whatever um so yeah us florida people are also like how did he not see those signs i mean come on i've driven in
0: way worse <laughs> thunderstorms um
2: True. but yeah i so, have never
0: even considered why is he still going yeah why is he still still in on this before he's even like he just, like, like he as just soon seems as overly the- committed yeah yeah, yeah. He really should have backed out. I was going to answer, uh, I hate driving in the rain. So, like, that, that was just strange. <laughs> John, just like, just I, and I also get slightly, like, I, I'm slight phobia, too. But seriously, the moment where he runs in the sign and doesn't know which way he's pointing the... Like, that freaks me out. You're on an oh, island a with, with yeah. freaking dinosaurs. Whose cages and, you just turned off. Yeah. And and then and, and, but and you're like, I don't know which way to go, left or right. Well, we'll just kind of pick and go. And it's this
1: like... May be- this may be a stray thought, but for a guy who panicked almost immediately when his plan started going wrong, <laughs> he was real chill when that dinosaur confronted him. Like he was real <laughs> laid back. And I was like, "What are you That's doing? This is by far the scariest part of your plan going wrong thus far." And you're just like, "Hey, Dido, here's a stick. Like, what
2: are you doing?" <laughs> it's
0: a it's a it shows, crazy play from him. Sammy, what shows what, do you what got? his
2: real it guess? It just shows what his real stressors are. He's like, "I don't want to be seen." as bad at my job as I do being eaten by a dinosaur, I guess.
0: That is um,
2: and I don't want to drive in the
1: rain. You, is this John?
2: <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Um, do you, do you want the real answer or the fun answer? Give me the or fun both.
0: answer first.
2: Fun answer first.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: I, I think, I think I might, I, I'm sorry I asked because I think I'm going to give you the real answer <laughs> person on the fun answer because I think it, it the contrast I think will work. Okay. Uh, so real answer is I, I would be so stressed about being caught doing all this like illegal stuff at mm, my job yeah. and like, getting to the getting to the thing. So I think I would be really weighing in my head like, okay, you know, do I go back and just kind of fess up or make something up about what happened? Or do I just keep going? I mean, at, at the point at which the sign fell over and I didn't know which way, I would turn back. Uh, so that's, that's I guess, the realistic answer. The fun answer is, is, is exactly the same up until the point where the sign happens. I would drive back, and then I would do some sort of situation where it seemed like I was, like, I don't know, attacked or possessed by a dinosaur, and be like, <laughs> I don't know what happened. Like, I, you know, I don't know. I guess like, I, w- I would try to, you know, something wild like that.
0: You did bring up a great point of how could Nedry have gone back? Because it would be, it's crazy to imagine just walking in soaking wet, play it oh off. sam
2: jackson would have knocked him play out play it off as a
0: practical joke it's like hey guys got you
2: <laughs> hey or, you
0: guys yeah. fell for it and they're like someone's literally dead and he's like ah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well. so i don't know or just like go and like i, I don't know but to pretend you got uh trapped in one of the i don't know I, I think i'd have to have a whole elaborate scheme to make it seem like but uh, yeah, I don't know how you go back or forward at that point, but I think he was he was going to make a lot of money, which I guess is fun, but uh, you know, is it worth your life? Not really.
0: That's uh, you, man, the power, powerful stuff, powerful lessons. <laughs> Mike, what do you have? Whew. This is a uh, this is actually like an interesting question because we all have been deeply impacted by this
1: movie. We've all talked about our initial reaction to this movie. Um we've all talked about how how in awe of these scenes we are given everything that's happened in this film, would y'all still go to Jurassic Park if it reopened?
2: Yeah. Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah. Was, was like, was it? No, was no, no, no I actually right. liked how fine. quick it was.
2: Sammy was just like, bam! No, you're, I just would. Like, I, I hate that, like, there's a small part of me that's like, yeah, things went wrong, but it wouldn't go wrong if I was there. Like, it'd be, it'd be okay. Like, I don't know, like... The concept, I I hate to say it, it's not bad, okay? You've got the big fences that are electrified. You go around life finds a way blah, 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 blah. You know what also finds a way A good time So you know I, I, I want to go I want to go so bad The most disappointing
1: yeah. part of this podcast Is that th- that statement you just made Was at two <laughs>
0: hours plus That should have been the opening of this podcast No so, one's ever going to well, hear that, that. that No one ca- listens this far can except you That be the you.
2: caption that like, is- The caption for this podcast <laughs> you, know?
1: you know what else finds a way A good time
2: I just you know oh it'd be so cool and like the concept is just not bad like i get it i get it it is bad blah 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 all these things i i I do but like oh come on seeing a dinosaur in person i think
0: i want to one up your question slightly because i think everyone would go eventually the question is would you be would you go in the first like like month of being open because those people are the real like risk takers right like that's because because that that's my answer is i yeah, would not i absolutely would go i would also wait like literally five years like long enough i mean for it to just i know that's the i think like the premise of one of the new yeah movies,
2: but you you guys are
0: blasé, but i don't know that's just kind of my reactions i'm just like i want to go obviously but i don't want to go like i don't want to be the guinea pig serve them up mean, on a platter so john's
1: cool with like the moral complicity part but he's just like yeah, wants, no problem. he just wants to wait a little bit before he gets in on the wait
2: till wait till the tickets are a little cheaper <laughs> <laughs> the poor, what's the guy, a guy he's like have a poor person, or person or day. <laughs> <laughs> poor person day or something like that yeah. uh no you guys are also assuming that i would not be the pr person for Ingen. so you know i was oh, there yeah a tough, month tough before pull. it opened so you know
1: yeah yeah my answer is also yes um <laughs> But would I would you feel, take your family oh, would you take oddy i would feel real well hold on i'll get to that i would feel i would feel real bad about all the poor people who died in the making of it while i went and i'd be aware of their plight while still uh benefiting the corporation that killed them so i just you know be american i just do the american thing <laughs> of
2: course maybe,
1: maybe uh post something on facebook that shows that i'm a. Uh, Aware of injustice and and then you know feed it yeah, um, anyway.
2: so. The location is still tagged Jurassic Park from <laughs> from your moral high ground
1: post. <laughs> Would I take Adi? Absolutely. I don't think
2: no. You understand yeah, no, I it. just for the
1: just for the face of Wonderman. Yeah. I don't think you understand how much fun. So like we've taken her to zoos and it's always fun when she goes to a zoo, but we took her to the yeah, Atlanta the atlanta aquarium and that was like they had like that tunnel where you go under like the whales swimming above you and the sharks yeah and you i I cannot explain to you how enjoyable how like one of the top five moments of my life was watching her in that tunnel just be like blown away by how close she was able to get to these like completely quite frankly dangerous creatures (laughs) and they're just like so cool so just to watch her face yeah i mean I'd feed her to a raptor. Man.
0: <laughs> Man.
2: That, that con- I did not expect that conclusion. I'll Again, be, be uh, you. So
0: you know, happy Father's Day. I, uh, I, but I, yeah.
2: I ended
1: there because we all need to accept that that is what we are siding on for. We have all said yes, knowing
0: that we will be eaten oh, by raptors. Sure. So. I'm sure they'll have it figured you out. Know. It'll be no problem.
2: You know what would be fun Just since use I don't door have a, a instead of the
0: door handles. So. Oh, I could <laughs> like... I could teach her gymnastics first. Then she'd be fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sabi, what's your question? Oh, so,
2: or karate. Um, yeah, well since I don't have a question for you, maybe this is what you guys can do for me. If I was the PR person for Ingen after these incidents, what question would you each have for me and I will answer it in the most corporate communication uh, capitalist mm, way possible. That's good.
0: Mike, I what's
2: will, your I question? Will, I genuinely, I'm, I'm actually very weirdly good at this. So you, you okay. l- lay it on me when you're okay. ready. Okay.
1: Why did you make carnivores? That is a good.
2: One. uh that's a really great question, uh, Mike. <laughs> is it?
1: <laughs> no my name's Bob sorry that... it's Bob Riddle.
2: oh all right uh my my apologies um uh, but I'm not apologizing anyway uh, <laughs> let's start this over so um yeah that's that's a really good question so we were really interested in the authentic experience of of dinosaurs and um while a lot of these animals are coming from the Jurassic and and and, and frankly other time periods as well um we thought it would cheapen the experience to only show you animals like herbivores we thought is reflection of the real world as much as we have carnivores now we would like to show you what carnivores looked like back then
1: that was good that see was i incredible. like i like i like this the last sentence is what did it i wasn't convinced when you got my name wrong but when you when you got it, <laughs> but the reflect you, the reflection you. of the world now that was spot on 10 out of 10
2: of course. Yeah, why are there carnivores now, Bob? Got an answer for that? <laughs> Didn't think so.
1: Hey, respond. Take it up with respond God. to the primary emotion, not the secondary
2: one. <laughs> exactly. John, what you got for me? Uh
0: his name's Phil. Can I can I have some oh. tickets?
2: Um, thank you for asking. It was uh, Phil Tibbett, was it? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> okay i'll take that as a yes so, oh yeah um, sorry I didn't yeah that. so uh can you have some free tickets um if you are willing to somehow um engage in some sort of promotion for us that could be either a digital or physical medium uh but we would like to have some sort of exchange but uh of course yeah bring your family bring grandma look at you that. know we're uh we're we're look, we're open yeah cool. for sure man got in there i'm so uh, i'm so surprised you did not ask about any of the Neither one of you really asked about the deaths of the people that happened in the park, but that's Did fine. you say Maybe there's
0: been deaths in the park? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, they oh. <PR> blunder. <laughs> what deaths? <laughs> uh, guys, any further, any final thoughts on Jurassic Park? Hold that's on to your movie. butts. <laughs> okay, yeah. cool. well, I think we butts covered movie. it. Uh, Sammy, thank you so much for joining us as a special guest
2: yeah thanks for having me i i really appreciate it it is it is really fun because a couple times as i'm listening i'm i felt like i was listening to the podcast and i'm like oh yeah i can actually say something and people will hear it this time i can actually
0: disagree um, with like <laughs> when they say stupid things i could disagree with that you know that's sammy, what i want to do on my podcast. sammy i want i want you to know that
1: i've heard every time you've spoken up during our podcasts
2: that <laughs> yeah. is terrifying but, <laughs> anyway um, I'll i will see you do... guys next week <laughs> <laughs> And let that be a lesson to all of you listening in. We can hear you. We are uh, no, too it g- genuinely. Uh, yeah, this is this is wonderful. Thanks for having me. This oh, is absolutely. fun.
0: Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, I'm Jonathan Devine joined by Sammy and <laughs> and and Mike Overstreet. You were second, Mike, so it didn't you kinda cut you kinda cut in there. Bob Thank you all for listening.